Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode, episode 164, for the love of the game, on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, sports development, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, which is looking like it could be super, super exciting. Let's go, Curios. Major League Baseball, and the latest fight news, and even next year's NFL futures. You can find all that stuff at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get your 50% welcome bonus. That's, again, 50% on the first money you deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts with that said. Episode 164. For the love of the game, let's get this work. The whole industry, uh, try to get rid of me. Y'all must be kidding me. Y'all need to kill the ghost in the house. And yo, Pete, the whole industry. Turn up the mic up. Turn up the mic up. Come on. Staten Allen here. Come on. Yo, come on. What a monster cut truck belly. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back after a 4th of July weekend. Happy holiday weekend to everybody. I hope everybody enjoyed. And to those in Highland Park, Chicago, my deepest condolences. is just absolutely terrible. You never want to see any of that. It's just, I mean, what else can you say? What else can you say? Don't want to harp on that because we're a positive vibes only show. But I thought after uh, given the events of yesterday, uh, I know a lot of people from that area of Chicago. It's just unspeakable tragedy, unspeakable tragedy. But I guess I hope everybody else who wasn't involved in that yesterday had a great holiday weekend. And there was a lot to talk about in the sports world, specifically in the NBA, free agency news, trade news, tons of stuff. And we're going to talk a lot of NBA today, a lot of NBA, a jam-packed episode full of NBA nuggets, talking about free agency, talking about trades. We're going to have a whole Knicks segment that's coming, a lot of stuff. But before we get into all that, I just want to talk about Wimbledon that's happening right now. And it's been an unbelievable tournament on the men's side I'm not really holding on the women's tournament. I'm just not. It's not my thing. I don't find women's tennis particularly entertaining right now and particularly interesting. They're going through a weird drought right now with the women. Serena Williams is being phased out, whatever. The men's side is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Rafa Nadal hasn't lost a set yet and looks awesome. Novak Djokovic today came back from two sets down to beat Sinner in an incredible match. Absolutely incredible. And Sinner's under 21 years old and a rising star. And he had just come off beating Alcaraz in four sets. Another 
18-year-old star, rising star. And that was a crazy third and fourth set. If you watched that third set tiebreak, and I'm an Alcaraz guy, it was a miracle he won that tiebreak. And then in the fourth set, just Sinner was hitting the ball like crazy. It's just those guys are awesome and up-and-comers. And Novak, you know, took Sinner's soul this morning. It started 10 a.m. Eastern here in that fourth set. Just took his soul after winning the third. Unbelievable stuff by him. But the story to me is Nick Kyrgios. Nick Kyrgios has always been one of my dudes. And if you know me and you know what Nick Kyrgios is all about, you would say, Aaron, this is a guy you would typically hate, right? You couldn't stand this guy, given his personality, sometimes his antics, the fact that he's completely unreliable from game to game. But I don't know what it is. The guy's electric. I absolutely love the guy. I mean, he's one of the three most talented players, pure talents I've ever seen. Yet he's a head case. And even more than that, he's self-destructive. But right now he's on a crazy run, an absolutely crazy run. I love how he called out Sissipas for his BS to the umpires. Kyrgios is on an incredible run right now. And I really hope he wins Wimbledon. It would be awesome. I can't stress it enough how much I want him to win Wimbledon. What a run he's on. What a tournament. It's been riveting. And when it starts in the morning, it's great you have it on the background when you're doing your day job. It's just been a wonderful experience. It's a bucket list item for me in terms of getting there in person. I'd like to do that sometime soon. Great tournament. I'm excited to see Taylor Fritz play Nadal tomorrow. When you hear this, you'll probably know it already happened. But what a Wimbledon it's been so far. So I mentioned that we're going to talk a lot about the NBA. And I just had to start with the big news that came out. And it feels like it's been two weeks ago already, but it hasn't. The big news that Kevin Durant has requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. And all I can think about when I hear this is this song by Usher. That's right. Let the whole place burn to the ground. How sweet it is. How incredibly sweet it is. Now again, Kevin Durant has four years left on his deal. It is not like the Brooklyn Nets have to trade him. But we all know how this works, right? The star basically gets what he wants. And this is just so great for when three years ago, it was just three years ago, that the Knicks missed out on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And I, for one, was one of those people who was super sad about it. I never wanted Kyrie Irving. But I wanted Kevin Durant. Who wouldn't want Kevin Durant? I was told that the Knicks culture was toxic and that the Nets culture was so great. I was told that there was going to be new management in the city, right? The billboard, even before Durant signed, the billboard is up in 
Midtown Manhattan, right near Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena where the Knicks play. I was told that the city was under new management and that the Brooklyn Nets were going to take over the city. I was told that the Nets, you know, via Kevin Durant not that long ago, that the Nets were the new cool thing and that the Knicks are not cool anymore. And then this happens. Just so wonderful. So, so wonderful. The Nets are such a pathetic franchise that they can't even be considered Clippers East. They're even more pathetic than that. Let's look at this potentially from the Nets' perspective, right? And what Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving did to this franchise. Kevin Durant asked for the coach he wanted in Steve Nash. The Nets gave it to him. He asked for his buddy DeAndre Jordan to be signed and to start, which then led to the Jared Allen being traded in the James Harden deal, who, by the way, James Harden's no longer on the team. Jared Allen became an all-star. The Nets gave in. Him and Kyrie Irving were a package deal. The Nets gave in. And all of that for what? One postseason series win? One foot-on-the-line moment? Uh, that's it! That's all they have to show for it! Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And this is going to have a lot of ripple effects throughout the league in terms of the future of the CBA negotiations because right now it seems as if contracts in the NBA don't matter. They don't matter. It doesn't matter that he has four years left on his deal. He can say, I want out. I can threaten to pull a Ben Simmons and just not play. I want out. And it doesn't matter that you signed an agreement. For all that the guys in the 80s and the 90s, the stars of the 80s and 90s, Magic, Bird, Jordan, Barkley, all these guys for what they built in that time to allow, you know, salaries to skyrocket the way they have, to grow the game globally the way the game has grown right now. This current iteration of NBA players doing everything in its power to destroy future generations because they've taken the player empowerment movement to such an nth degree that the owners, oh, I should say governors, that the governors of these franchises are going to fight back. They're going to fight back. And they're going to be like, well, we can't have this. And it's going to ruin the flexibility of future NBA stars because this current crop of stars are acting like a bunch of jackasses all the time. But that's a different conversation for a different day because the CBA negotiations aren't up for a while. But it just seems like the players right now are bad business partners. That's what it is. Again, that's a higher level conversation. But let's look at Kevin Durant, right? Kevin Durant, who, you know, is is great player. He's a great player. But when the going gets tough, Kevin Durant is like, yeah, I'd rather not. You saw it in Oklahoma City, goes to a tailor-made situation in Golden State wins two titles. Then he's like, I want to do my own thing, build my own thing. 
Well, it turns out that Kevin Durant is not capable of building his own thing. What did he build in Brooklyn? Zilch. Absolutely zilch. It's just, this is so great as a Knicks fan. So great. And I'm not really thrilled with how this Knicks offseason's going. I have a whole segment that we're going to talk about it later on in this show. But just for that moment when he demanded the trade and it was official, that day on Twitter and Instagram was so sweet. Was so, so sweet. And it was one of the best moments in Knicks fans' off-season history in recent memory. Just fantastic. Now, again, going back to the trade, right? So Durant puts on his list. His top two destinations are Phoenix and Miami. Again, he has four years of control on his contract left. The Nets don't have any obligation to trade him where he wants to go. They also have no obligation to trade him. And if I'm the Nets, I play hardball. I play hardball. Take back the power. Call him on his bluff that he's not going to play. I think Kevin Durant enjoys playing basketball way too much to actually hold out. But call him on his bluff. You have no obligation to trade him to those scenarios. And they're going to want the sun, the moon, and the stars. Apparently the reporting is that they're going to want a young all-star player and multiple draft picks back. And you look around the landscape of the league, and because of the rule of the rookie-designated extension and that being traded, and you can't have two guys on that extension on the same team, which knocks out a lot of guys. Zion Williamson can't be traded. Devin Booker can't be traded to them. Bam Adebayo for the Heat, which makes the Heat's offer pretty minuscule if it's just around Tyler Hero. I mean, right now, off the top of the dome, if I had to think of the best trade partner for the Lakers, if they really want to move Kevin Durant, it's getting Anthony Davis and the two future first-round picks for Kevin Durant. Lakers, call it in. I mean, he's by far the best player you're going to get, as much as I'm down on Anthony Davis. like he, Anthony Davis is still a top 15 player in the league. Can the Nets do better than that? Because they can't afford to tank. They gave away all their picks and swaps in the Harden trade. They can't afford to tank. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. But it just goes to show you that if you're a team, you have to think long and hard if you're going to bend over backwards every which way for certain stars. And if you noticed, the two most important stars don't require that kind of treatment. Giannis and Steph Curry, they stay out of the way of the front office. They don't pick their teammates. They don't make these crazy-ass demands. And what do you know? They're the last two finals MVPs. I said it on the last show. Kevin Durant is the icing on the cake. Steph Curry is the cake. Giannis, a builder of worlds. Kevin Durant, very much not that. Because then he would have built something in Brooklyn. And even with Kyrie's crazy ass wilding out, basically saying that, you know, I've had it. The Nets are saying I've had it with Kyrie Irving and all of his shtick. Kevin Durant would be like, all right, Kyrie Irving's my boy. But because we don't want to sign him to an extension, I don't care. I'm just going to build my own thing anyway. 
give me a couple of role players, give me some guys I can I can go to battle with, and I'll prove that I can win. But Kevin Durant ain't that guy. He's not that guy. As the meme would say, you're not that guy, pal. Trust me, you're not that guy. Ah, how sweet it is. How sweet it is that the Nets and all their 15 fans right now are freaking out, and they are going to be incredibly irrelevant when they trade Kevin Durant. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it because they were doing a lot of talking, a lot of yapping. You're not even considered little brother, all right? You're the gum on the bottom of the shoe when it comes to New York basketball. Just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. With that said, we have two segments on the show. We're talking about free agency and trades that have already happened, maybe some Kevin Durant speculation. One segment, and then a totally Knicks segment in terms of their offseason, and it's probably going to be a therapy session, or maybe it'll just make me more mad. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We're going to get to those segments in just a matter of moments. This episode of the For the Love of the Game Show on the Belief podcast is brought to you by AutoApprove. AutoApprove is an online service that makes vehicle refinancing easier and faster. AutoApprove connects vehicle owners with a network of top credit unions, banks, and finance companies to find the best available interest rates. That helps you handle the paperwork, simplifying the vehicle refinancing process from the beginning to end and putting money back in your wallet. Take your tag light to the next level with more money in your pocket. Not only will you save thousands on your auto loan with working with AutoApprove, but for all listeners that refinance through AutoApprove, they will send you $100 cash to your mailbox. That's right. They'll not only help you lower your monthly payment, but if you use AutoApprove promo code slash believe, they will send you $100 back cash back. To find out how much you can save and claim your $100 cash back again, go to AutoApprove.com slash believe. AutoApprove, save money on your car loan. As I mentioned in the monologue, this is a packed episode, packed with NBA segments, a lot of information going on with free agency and the draft in the books. Well, free agency ever evolving, but I needed to do a specific Knicks segment because the Knicks are doing moves and I don't necessarily love what's going on here. And I had to talk about it with a recurring guest, somebody who's just as crazy as I am. Papa Left is back. Rob, what's good, bro? How you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, It's been a nice, nice summer of off-season moves. A lot of uh, exciting people uh, on the move and a couple unexpected people on the move. So definitely excited to talk about the Knicks and maybe uh, rip on the Nets a little bit in there somewhere, somewhere in this conversation. Well, you know what? Let, let's kick it off with the with the Nets because there'll be a nice little transition into the Knicks. Right. I don't, and, and we'll get into why I don't think the off season has been super super wonderful for the Knicks. But having said that, the day Durant demanded a trade or asked for a trade, and we'll see if he actually mm-hmm. gets one or not because I'm getting a little skeptical. Mm-hmm. Was that one of the Best moments for Nick fans that we've had in a long, long time, considering that this Nets super team that was supposed to take over the city. Remember the new management poster by MSG? 
It was supposed right. to take over the city. This whole Nets dynasty that our guys, Max Kellerman, Robin Lundberg, and all these losers declared to be a dynasty that it's coming up in flames. Is this one of the Knicks' best off seasons just by that alone? Well, it, I, I I say this: the Knicks are are a franchise that 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 have been a you know you don't really look at divisions much in in the NBA, but as far as a dysfunctional organization, it's a tough division to play in when you have functioning organizations like the Celtics, the Raptors, and the um, who else we got? Celtics, Raptors, Sixers. Um, so you got these these three franchises that are really at the top of the Eastern conference. And then you throw in the nets that were supposed to be a formidable foe. If not, they, they were the favorite, even after getting swept, they were one of the top four favorites to win the championship, running it back with KD and Kyrie. So for them to potentially not have those players. And again, now becoming a dysfunctional organization. All I heard from people who defected to the Brooklyn nets and said, I have a kid and, I'm going to raise them to be Nets fans. Why do I have to deal with Dolan? Dolan's, you know, not not savvy on social justice. Josiah is savvy on social. And, and now look at it. <laughs> it's just, it's just they they're nothing. They they got completely burned by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and um, you know, and now it's just like when are these when are people going to realize that the the owners of NBA basketball teams are not the beacons of your moral compass? And that they're there to do one job, and that's fork over some money for a check. And, uh, you know, all the things that people said about the culture for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, just That was completely- my favorite. My favorite yeah. is the culture is great. The culture is so rotten in New York City. It's great well, yeah, Brooklyn. Not that it was real basketball, but when they had, I think it was Jock Vaughn was coaching the team in the, um, the play-in for the uh, – for the bubble. That was a fun team. You know what I mean? They still had a fun team. And I think at that point they had Kyrie and they yeah, might it, was have first, it was their first year, but Kyrie yeah. didn't play. Cause he was a wall doing whatever. Right. Durant had the Achilles, but it was the Karis LeVert, you know, Jared Allen crew. Yeah. And I, that was the last time that they were, you know, somewhat like, I, you know, whatever they were, they were a fun culture team. Haven't been that, and you know what? As a Knicks fan, you asked me if it's one of the most – I mean, it was a fun day. Um, we got bigger things to worry about. Um, but it, it is nice. I mean, it is nice to know that the Brooklyn Nets and their fan base, whatever is left of them, have been put in their place. Because this is something that we, we've been saying. Like, even if you did pull off a two-three in a row dynasty, that would not be sustainable in terms of um, – taking over the city or the claims that Nets fans wanted to make as little brothers of forget about uh, New York basketball, just NBA. Like nobody really cares about the Brooklyn Nets. They don't have, no one a savvy, they don't have a savvy fan base. They don't know how to uh, bring, ooh, look at the way that they acted in their uh, home arena. It was like a tennis match. It was very, it's like watching Djokovic versus center this morning. It was just very quiet and respectful. It's great. So, way amazing a kid fought his ass off i took no novak minus 135 when he was losing in the second set and uh, it was a very fun morning for me but i just I, I like to say that you know it was a fun day for us and it was just a good pushback against people that 
always seem the Knicks fans put themselves out there. You know what I mean? And in life, when you put yourself out there, you wear your heart on your sleeve. A lot of people who are afraid to do that like to make fun of you at your expense. So it's good for us. I mean, we want the championship. That's our day to really, you know, if you think we're nuts after a playoff game win in game two, just imagine us the day that we win a championship. Oh, it's going to be the greatest block party the city has ever seen. That'll be the only time I'll go outside in a mass event with no metal detectors. But I, this, this, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going out outside. It's not happening. But for a Knicks parade, I'll be willing to risk it all. And I'll, I'll if I come back with, with my extremities intact, I'll be very happy. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, the Nets, they're not even Clippers East. They're, right. they're like three... They're three rings below that. That's how pathetic they are. And all 15 of their fans could suck on a fat one. And it's just it's, – it was the best. I, I, I enjoyed it so, so much. But we have bigger issues at hand. Right. The Knicks offseason. There are a lot of ways we could go with this. We could start with the draft and what they did with the draft because I, I, I'm just curious to get your thoughts. So let, let's start high level right now. If you're grading the offseason – on a scale of 1 to 10 at this very moment. And again, it, it's rolling, right? It's a rolling thing right now because it's not done yet. But at this very moment, a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you with the offseason? Where would uh, you put, put it, it at? I'd put it at a 5 or a 6. I, I mean, you can't really look at this offseason and not look back at the offseason of last year. Because every move right. of this offseason from its inception has been attached to Kemba Walker. It's been attached to Alec Burks. It's been attached to Nerlens Noel. It's been attached to the inability of getting off of Evan Fournier and Julius Randle. And even more, more so, more importantly so, what was in our control, which was building the value of assets and, and players or devaluing um, certain assets and players by the way that we uh, place them in our rotation – it had rippled effects. And, you know, Nick's Twitter is the most gaslight community, gaslit community that there is. And we were we were saying things that are, you know, the fact that they weren't done, like playing Alec Burks for 60 games at point guard completely took him out of position to the point where you needed to attach an asset to him. You know what I mean? Nerland's Noel was was a bad contract. Leon Rose had to clean up his problems. Kemba Walker was a bad contract, but it was very clear from day one, that that was a very risk, uh, low risk, moderate reward move that you could have just swept. You had Deuce McBride. You had Emmanuel Quickly. You had Derek Rose. The plan should have never been for Kemba to resurgent this four-seed team and take him on his back. That was ridiculous. So from game one, I was there where Kemba and Evan were a terrible fit. You know, uh, so... You know, I would give it a five or six because they, they it's like cleaning your room up when you made a mess. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to yeah. give you credit for 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 cleaning up your, your stinky apartment um, that's been a mess for a while just because a girl's coming over. Like, you, your girl stays over there for a little bit, and then she's going to realize that your habits are not necessarily the ones that cleaned up the apartment. The Jalen Brunson thing will be nice uh, because you'll you'll notice the difference in competition. You'll notice a, a difference in leadership on the floor from one of your best players. It'll matter around the league that a guy chose New York, whether it was for an overpay or not. It'll matter around the league within the fraternity of the NBA that Jalen Brunson's a Nick. But um, 
there are still things that are a lot of things that are wrong with this organization. And even within their prized uh, move of the offseason, they still weren't able to do it without the ire of Mark Cuban and the NBA, uh, you know, office in terms of how they acquired Jalen Brunson. So they don't do anything normal. We'll get into the draft, but the Knicks don't. In short, it's a five or six because it could have been an eight or a nine, but they don't because they're capped out with what they can really do. But they're they really don't do things normally. So it's like a five or a six. So there's a lot to unpack, and we're going to start with that. I, I will say this: I defended the Kemba risk. I figured it, it's not that expensive. If it works, it w- great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Obviously, they the way they went about the experiment wasn't good, but I, I thought the experiment was okay, right? I, I, at the surface when it started. I think they were a little too uh, slow to pull the plug. And when they pulled the plug, like they only half pulled the plug the first time and then they didn't pull the plug. So, but that leads me into the draft, right? Because the big move is with the 11th pick. And again, Kemba Walker's making $8 million a year. This is important to understand, right? So with the 11th pick, they tried to trade up to get Ivy. That was clear. All right. They did whatever they had. They tried to do. It doesn't work your way. You're not in a position of strength at that point, right? And they weren't in a position of strength because the coach basically devalued all the young assets that they could potentially move up because he doesn't play any of them, right? So they can't get Ivy, right? So then they decide to punt on this year's draft, right? Because a team with 37 wins that isn't necessarily, you know, breaking at the seams with talent over here decides to punt on the 11th pick, which is a lottery pick for three future, no, four future first round picks. And then they attach one of them, which is arguably the best one to Detroit to take Kemba Walker's $8 million salary, right? So all of a sudden you're punting on a lottery pick to get off $8 million, which is nuts in terms of asset management, right? So they, pre, they predetermined who they wanted to sign, which was Jalen Brunson, and they were very tunnel vision right. about. It. Yeah. So I mean, here's my problem with that. I mean, the Warriors is not a normal organization. We we have our one foot in being normal, which is which is kind of refreshing after after Phil Jackson, you know, took over, um, and and then we had Steve Mills. You know who pretty much Steve Mills went 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 completely blow it up, um, which really has been given Leon Rose a long long ass leash in terms of the amount of mistakes he can make because it's easier to make a mistake with an empty checkbook than with none. So um, the problem is is that this team is not designed to tank. The coach doesn't want to tank. The coach has no. Uh, he's not going to run back a season where he got 37 wins with no point guard. Right. Developing talent and go back into that season and get you right back into the top 10 of the draft. So for my money and for my value, I have always been, it was a very two, and it was very played itself out for the draft. You go, you get Jaden Ivy, you reset a rookie deal, you dangle your Emmanuel Quickly's of the world. You dangle your Cam Reddish's of the world. I, I, I have an affinity to Grimes. I'm, I'm just never getting rid of Grimes. But even if you had to get rid of Grimes to do it, and that was the holdup, I'd have to consider that. 
I don't think they made that offer. I don't think they made that that. So you you don't think you don't think they went full boat on the offer? They gave them low value picks. That's what they were trying to do. They gave them low value picks, and and they gave them maybe a lot of futuristic picks. But it's too much to move up. You got to give them something else. And I don't think they they. I think people assume that they tried to get Ivy with with their best uh, option. I don't think they. I don't think they gave it a, a, a real shot because I think if they really wanted to get Ivy, I think they could have because Detroit was on the phone with them. Um, so so and they took Duran at thirteen when they and got. So the that was my backup. I wanted to reset. Wanted. I wanted, in short, Aaron. I wanted to reset a rookie deal because you cannot pay all these guys, and clearly we are not of the the place to really give them the opportunity in a year three of your rookie deal where you're. You're most valuable because you got one more year left on it. Right. It's not expiring. You, you, you can trade them to a team. Like, look what DeJounte Murray got, you know, for, for uh, and we don't have a DeJounte Murray on our team. But when you're talking about acquiring a Donovan Mitchell, you're talking about acquiring a player of that status, you need to give them something else. And we all know Knicks fans don't want to give up R.J. Barrett. So when you have Emmanuel quickly behind the Jalen Brunson, behind the Derrick Rose, behind the Evan Fournier, behind the RJ Barrett, behind splitting times with Quinn Grimes, you have Obi Toppin behind Julius Randle, behind yeah. Hartenstein. What are you going to do with these guys anyways? So I, what I would have done is I would have been aggressive to reset a deal, including Mitch. So when Duren fell to us at 11 and then at 13, I would have taken – people forget Jalen Duren was was not a player all year, but going into this year, he was a top-five talent. He's getting player comps to Chris Webber and Dwight Howard. People freak out about a center not being able to shoot a three. There's a fact. Jalen Duren can shoot better than Mitchell Robinson right now, and he has superior post moves. I want to get to the I, – I want to get to the Mitchell Robinson contract in a second. But I guess I just want to go linear. So the draft we both think – was a mess, right? And to, and to completely punt on the draft because you didn't get your guy to take your ball and go home is not maximizing an asset, especially because it's very clear to everybody that these picks are not going to convey. And to then try and package these picks in a trade, like they weren't they weren't any more of a trade destination after the draft than they were before the draft. So then why are we punting on a lottery pick where there could have been a dude who could help them? Yeah. And the, the, the thing is, like, I, like, I want to reiterate, this is not a team that's angling to be back in that draft. You got teams all over the league. All over the league. Right. And, and like, coming out of the woodwork that are tanking. Spurs, probably Utah, the Rockets, still. I mean, even though they've got young talent. But, yeah, go on. I, I you know, we got all these teams that are, you know, we talk about our young talent and I was just rapping the other day. Like, like we literally don't have, we don't have Ivy and Cade. You know what I mean? Oh, we don't, we don't have Jalen green and, and, and uh, Jabari Parker. We don't have shit. Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith. Jabari, Jabari Smith. Okay, we don't have uh, Chet Holmgren and 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 uh, Giddy and Shea Gilgus Alexander. We don't have that. We don't have multiple guys that you're like, oh my god, I got the rookie card. We don't no. have that. 
so, and part so, of the reason so, part of the reason that's the case is because like the way the coach coaches the team, we don't know what quickly is. We don't know what Toppin is. Like we don't know what these guys are because he refuses to play them. I mean, and I don't I, I, for for as many people who think like somehow these moves like Jalen Brunson, if Kemba Walker was getting guaranteed minutes in the first and third quarter. I don't know where people think that Emmanuel quickly is going to get any point guard minutes with Derek Rose on this team. And with the deficiency in size and Quentin Grimes and Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett and Evan Fournier. I mean, if Emmanuel quickly has a shooting slump, he's never going to play. Tom Thibodeau is super tough on Emmanuel quickly. And I don't think Tom Thibodeau understands who his most valuable players are. I don't think he gets it. And I don't think this organization runs that way. And, and we're not run normally because if we were run normally, you would never have Cam Reddish in a doghouse for, for, for trading a first round pick and him sitting behind Alec Burks who literally lost value by playing out of position in nothing games, games that meant nothing. It was very clear on Saturday night when Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett and Kemba Walker, I think that the, the play that ended the season last year was Kemba Walker's pass back going towards the baseline, remember? And then the ball got thrown down to Malik Monk and the Lakers completed their comeback. And then RJ had his theatrics, but Evan Fournier had a bonehead moment at the yeah. end of an overtime. That game, that was a signature game to me that this team cannot capture what it had the year prior. And right. at that moment, normal organizations would have met with the coach, pulled the plug and say, hey, we got to go in a different. If anything, a week later, Cam Thomas with no Kyrie Irving and no Kevin Durant and no James Harden, Cam Thomas completed a 25-point 25 25 comeback. And, so, and after that, you had the, the gift of going into an all-star break, and Tom Thibodeau was still there. So we're not an organization that runs linear or normally. No. We run within the confines of three things. Tibbs is the coach. CAA is the family, and we are completely optic-driven. Right. We are very, very nervous about making a big, big mistake. And we don't want to admit when we're wrong. So, okay. So that brings us to Jalen Brunson, which is obviously – it was looming for months. We all knew it was, it was happening because, again – Leon Rose, CAA ties, obviously, he's the president of basketball operations. His son represents Jalen Brunson. Rick Brunson played for the Knicks, now a member of the coaching staff. Like, this was very – the writing was on the wall. Four years, $104 million for Jalen Brunson. On the surface, what did you think of this deal? I mean, at first, I think I let I let the community talk me into so much 
But at the end of the day, this type of move is not, it's not about Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is a damn good guard in the NBA that can cause problems for anybody. He's at an age where you want to sign guys. Yeah. I, I'm the, you know, I'm it's the not Jalen Brunson. General. It's not Jalen Brunson. It's not his fault that he's good. What, what the problem with the signing is, is you don't have the guts to look at your roster and get out of the problems that you had in the first and third quarter for over 40, uh, for over 24 months, which is you don't come out with intensity. You don't have any speed or, or pacing with your starting unit. You don't have any spacing. And I don't see how that changes that much. If you're going to run out a starting lineup with three of your highest paid players that are not necessarily your most your best two-way players, you have Jalen Brunson, Evan Fournier, and Julius Randle. Then you have Mitchell Robinson there and R.J. Barrett, who I do think is going to stand in the corner more than people realize that he's going to do. Yeah. So I, I don't have a problem with Jalen Brunson, but if they start, it's a great signing if they trade Evan Fournier this offseason. Let's just put it like that. The deal. It's a great signing if they get rid of Evan Fournier. If Evan Fournier is still here and starting next to Jalen Brunson, we are literally running it back with just a more durable, more, you know, more stronger version of Kemba Walker. Yeah. Here, here, here was my, my initial, I, I want to take out all of the things that you just, said. I just want to look at the deal proper. Jalen Brunson, 26 years old, has shown flashes of being really, really good even without Luka. The problem is, is that it's not like the body of work is that long, right? And he's 26. And I just have, as a philosophy that I have, in a salary cap sport, I don't believe in paying guys that much money because it's a percentage of the cap, right? Right now, it's it's 22% of their cap is going to Jalen Brunson, who I don't think is ever going to make an all-NBA team or an all-star team, all right? Going into next season, would you take Jalen Brunson over any of these point guards? And I wrote them out. Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, no. nope. Damian Lillard, John nope. Morant, Chris nope. Paul, Kyrie nope. Irving, even as crazy as he is. You can debate me on that one, but that's just because he's a nutcase. DeJounte Murray, no. Jamal Murray, no. Darius Garland, no. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, no. Cade Cunningham, no. Trey Young, no. Drew Holiday, no. De'Aaron Fox, probably not. You can make a, you can make a case for De'Aaron. Fine, but that's about 15 from a competitive, From a competitive winning high, you know, IQ basketball. Okay, fine, but that's 15 players, okay? I know mm -hmm. point guard is absurdly deep in the NBA right now. I get that. But if the guy isn't definitively top 15 at his position, I can't pay you 22% of the salary cap. I can't. The question, again, I mean, here's the thing. What? No, here's the thing. It, it, it comes back to the fact that the, or the organization is in win-now mode with, with not a win-now roster. And they're not really willing to actually go through a rebuild. 
you can miss on Emmanuel quickly being a point guard of the future and still have all your ducks in a row. Right. You know, and like that's it's not like the Knicks have nothing at the point guard position. They've only gaslit the French, the franchise and the fans. Saying that they don't have them it. believe they have nothing at the point guard position. So, uh, I mean, I mean, Deuce McBride is watch Marcus Smart tilt the game on defense. I think Deuce McBride has that skill set. We have no pressure for, du- for Deuce McBride to lead us to the playoffs. Now we have pressure because you brought in Jalen Brunson that it really is a we really are a playoff or bust roster, if you ask me at this point. OK, when you're spending East, that type East, of money. Yeah, but the Eastern Conference is a strong conference now. Like, like are, are seeds, we the though. eighth best team? 10 seeds. You got to make a play in with this roster. That's the point. The point is what I would have done. I already told you I would have went in for Ivy. You miss out on Ivy. Fine. You get another player at 13. I would have went Durant. Let's say you take anybody. Usman Deng. Take anybody, right? What I would have done is I would have built up the value of Emmanuel quickly, who has shown with 36 minutes, whether you he's going to score. 20 something points. I he's going to get five assists and five. Re- he's going to, he's going to stat hunt. You understand? So like at that point, instead of having Jalen Brunson with three years left on his deal, you have a rookie expiring contract of Emmanuel quickly. That's putting up literally the same numbers as Jalen Brunson. And, yeah. and you have a higher draft pick. I'm not. Yeah. Are we a hundred percent convinced <laughs> that Jalen Brunson is that much better than Emmanuel quickly? If Emmanuel he, quickly I mean, look, got, got the opportunity and I'm not so sure. And I'm not going to bet. Can I curse? What, can I curse? We let it fly from time to time. Okay. So Drake had a song. I think he was going at common and Drake said, all you got is some years on me. So fuck you and your time difference. I think Jalen Brunson has had a wildly, wildly successful basketball career already up to the year 26. Yeah. And he's been raised in a basketball world, uh, uh, like a cocoon of basketball with, with his dad, with, with, with Rick Brunson, with Jay Wright at Villanova. You still here? I'm still here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jay Wright at Villanova. And then Jason Kidd. And with Dallas and playing behind Luca, he's like an intelligent, understanding, savvy about all the space that a smaller guy needs to get to on the basketball court. Emmanuel quickly, he doesn't have the exact same handle. He doesn't have the exact same touch on his mid range. But I don't think Emmanuel quickly hasn't figured out how to hesitate off the three point line. What he hasn't figured out is how to hesitate in those tough areas in the mid-range, and especially in the paint. So so Jalen Brunson has had a lot of time over Emmanuel Quickly. So Emmanuel Quickly is behind him, and he's not near him, really. But if you're asking me, if given the keys for a year or two, can Emmanuel Quickly jump up his value to the point where he's getting paid four years, $90 million? Absolutely. And I, I, I don't... I think when people look at, oh, I love Quickly. He's my favorite player. We got to keep IQ. We got to keep Obi. These guys aren't going to want to stay here. Right, because they're playing behind dudes that are <laughs> not going to want to stay. Yeah, it's crazy. I just – so besides for the numbers, given where the Knicks are, I, I, and again, 
this isn't, as you mentioned earlier, and it's 100% correct, it's not so much about Jalen Brunson. This contract on another team would be fine, would be totally fine. But you can't pay a guy $25 million a year in a salary cap sport when you don't have another star in place, or you don't have another star in place because then that person is supposed to be the star, right? The Knicks don't have another star in place. So this contract for the New York Knicks doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't. If this is the where the moves end, it doesn't right. make sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Now, there's now, a lot of it's a sign, it's Now, if it's a sign and trade and Fournier's contract yeah. is moved, I'll feel a whole lot different. Don't think that's going to happen. But, but I don't yeah, think that's I, happening. So no, I, I don't. I don't. You know, I get the vibes that they're trying to win and make Randall better. I get the vibes that they're trying to uh, hold on to the value of Randall and Fournier's deal. I get the vibes that they don't trust Emmanuel quickly. I get the vibes that they they think that Jalen Brunson can elevate the game of the of, and the value, hopefully, of the players around him and make a playoff and and help sell tickets. But is he even – okay, so hold on one tickets. second. Is he even going to be given the opportunity to have the usage if they're oh, trying yeah. to – if they're trying to, you know, build up R.J. Barrett to be the face of the franchise. I don't think they are. I don't think they are. Okay. Okay. I think R.J. Barrett is going to be in positions on this basketball court that are going to drive people nuts. Over okay, the course fine. Of okay. So let me pivot right there. All right? Let me pivot right there. For all those who are saying – because Donovan Mitchell's out there, right? The Rudy Gobert trade happened. The Jazz. There's no way they're building around Donovan Mitchell. Given what the Knicks just did and given what you just said, you know, a lot of Knicks fans, and we argued about this before, would you trade R.J. Barrett for Donovan Mitchell? And I always said, given the what else is in the deal, I would. And now that the Jalen Brunson signing has happened, I feel like you absolutely have to do it. What say you? Because oh. I would. You would? Yeah, I would because. Oh, uh, so you would give him the money? You would I take on his money and then use what? How would you get out of Randall? It's just a lot. It's a it's a lot to move off with a lot of questions. I would want Mitchell if Mitchell was here because he wanted to be here with RJ. Like that's that's how I would I would look at it. My feeling is if, if you're gonna get an all NBA caliber player back and, and that's and that's your your starks, I think people have soured on Mitchell and I don't think it's necessarily hundred percent fair. Um like wow, you're a terrible te a team that knew they were they were Yeah, up. the team is blowing up. You're paying Rudy Gobert forty four million dollars a year, you're automatically not gonna be you know, you automatically no have feeling like you're not going anywhere with that. No I Joe Ingles, no Mike Conley. It yeah. was designed the way that it was supposed to be. Yeah, like I, I would at this point, if if you're paying Brunson on the books, right, and you still have Randall and hope well, we'll talk about Randall in a second. Like at this point, I would 
if it meant sacrificing R.J. Barrett for Donovan Mitchell, like if the team wants to win right now, like then do it. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I think I would, I would be willing to, to part with a lot of the core. But I, the things that I would do aren't even in play right now. <laughs> Well, so yeah, well, of that, course, but yeah. of course, I, I, I'm with you on that. Like, I wouldn't have done the Brunson deal. I wouldn't have done the Mitchell Robinson, bring him back, four years, 60 million, especially there's positive, after. There's positives to each one of those moves, but they all work within the confines of an, of an organization that's that's not, a, really moving, not really moving intelligently. They're, correct. They're not, correct. Like the, the, I mean, there's not. I, I like Mitchell Robinson. I like Jalen Brunson. There's nothing wrong with those guys. No. But, yeah. So it's, but it's like, in the confines of this team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the confines of this team. Like they signed Isaiah Hartenstein two years, eight million per, which is a deal I really like. He's a good player. But then why yeah. bring back Mitchell Robinson if for they would have drafted million dollars a year? If they would have drafted Jalen Duran at 13, right. they, they would have saved $20 million in cap space at the center position. It's crazy. It's crazy. Because just for people listening, yeah. for people listening, right? You got $15 million dedicated to Mitchell Robinson. You got $8 million dedicated to Isaiah Hortenstein, the center they signed from the Clippers. 15 plus 8 is 23. Jalen Duran at pick 13 would have a rookie scale contract of about three and a half million dollars. So 23 minus three, it would save 20 million. So for all the people be like, oh, how would you have saved cap space if you wouldn't have traded your first round pick to get off Kemba Walker? Like there's a million and one different ways to sign your godson without like throwing away a draft pick. <laughs> yeah. By the way, it could have been Mark Williams, somebody who I like out of Duke. The same thing. Like, yeah. It, yeah, it they just, could have traded back, yeah. yeah. It just makes no sense. None of it makes any sense. And to top it all off, like, as we've mentioned multiple times, with Randall still being on the team, right? The Tibbs-Randall bromance is what it is. And we all got duped. We all got duped two years ago. Yeah. And now it's holding the franchise hostage He's for, not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. They can't unload him. They can't I mean, unload him. There's I think no market. Could, I think even if they could, they would never do it in the first year of the deal. They would never do it. They would never attach assets. They would never do what they did to get rid of Alec Burks or Nolan's Noel or Kemba. It's easy for them to do that as opposed to – and it's so funny how people were like in these trade talks saying, hey, well – I'll give you Julius Randle and move up to seven. Yeah, and in reality, yeah. it took so Kemba Walker. It just took Kemba. It took the eleventh pick alone just to get off Kemba Walker. So, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, these players aren't desirable. But after seeing David Bertans traded and Kristaps Porzingis traded, I don't think any contract is untraded. Um, Julius Randle is not a complete dud in terms of a basketball talent. And there are teams that are void of basketball talent, just like we were three years ago. Okay, so, so what – so because I agree with you that if they can get off Julius Randle – I take one – I take the Milwaukee pick that they got. It's going to be a 30th pick, 29th pick. 
And I'd attach that and see what see how far these talks I could get. I'd get him out of here because the reality is, is again, you have Obi Toppin on a third year of his rookie deal. You have no idea what he is. Right. Anybody telling you what the, the anybody telling you what Obi Toppin is, you're doing it based off hopes and belief. And you could be right, you could be wrong, but we have no idea who that player is. And it just Zero. seems like if you just spent twenty-five million dollars on a guy to be a lead ball handler, right? And and initiate stuff. And you have this third year fighter who simplify it. Yeah, who's who who's gonna you know be either billed as a face of your franchise, right? As the most important player in the franchise, because that's right now what RJ Barrett is. He's the most important player to the franchise, right? He's gonna need touches because he's gotten better every year, right? He's gonna need touches to initiate, not just be a secondary dude. If you're gonna be trading him for Donovan Mitchell, he's a star guy who's gonna be getting, you know, star touches. Like the touches I, for Julius Randle play Julius Randle ball are non-existent and Obi Toppin's you know, a fit within the offense all anyway. I say, all I can say, Aaron, is there are many deals over the time course of time that have been very bad deals. And and then somehow in the middle of their deal, the player takes on a different role. And when you look at their role on their team, they're contributing. I'll give you a case in point. Danilo Gallinari, two years ago with the Hawks, Really like just like an overpay. What is he doing? But then when you look at a game seven against the Sixers, he's a shot maker. You know what I mean? He was he was he was contributing to the wins. Al Horford, a long discussed bad deal, old man, you know, very like in the way kind of contract. Turned out to be a very good stretch five, um, stretch four at times with Robert Williams. And, uh, you know, contributed to winning. Can Julius Randle do that? I don't think in this city. I don't, I don't think so. Because the, the magnifying glass is too hard on him. And he doesn't have the skill set to fall back or to push forward as a, as a bruiser or to fall back as a shooter. He doesn't have the shooting skill to, to, to be a stretch four, stretch five. He doesn't play... Um, intelligent basketball at all times. He has too many backbreaking turnovers or lapses on defense. And these are the areas that he would have to be um, not just efficient in. He would have to be very good, like like very good to get away with being a third or fourth option, getting paid $27, 28000000 million a year. I, it's, I, I just, I, I don't even That's know. Get rid of him because there's no, there's no outlook. Right, but to where? Let me ask you this. Where? What's the team that would take it? I heard Charlotte because of what happened with Miles Bridges. Yeah, well, that is only because, you know, Miles Bridges beat the crap out of his significant other, which is we're not going to talk about the severity of that because we keep things light over here. Um, But maybe that's an option. But is – but I don't think Utah is an option, right? Even in a, like a, a Mitchell trade to make the money work. Like, I don't think Utah is an option. Why would I they think work? it's, I think it's purely cathartic to talk about a, a Julius Randall trade scenario at this point. I think what the organization, I mean, Julius, it's starting to look like Julius Randall was in on that, um, that visit to Dallas more than we want to believe. Um, 
and I think this this organization's a little disillusioned to what he is. I mean, there's no other way. Because why would they let him run amok for 82 games if they didn't believe in him? Or the, or they just didn't they didn't want to they didn't want to admit they made a mistake and they're holding out hope that it well, was that, that may mistake. be the case. That may be the case, but let's say let's say again. Let's say a miracle happens and he's and they find a home for Randall. Mm-hmm. What would you grade the offseason? Because I would grade it an eight. It's a five or six, and they get rid. First of all, if they get rid of Fournier or Randall, I don't think they can get rid of Randall. If they got rid of Fournier, forget about a number. It'd just be a very good offseason. You, you accomplished a lot if you were able to do that. You've made a lot of steps towards being an attractive franchise organization, watchable product, young, exciting, no log jam, no unnecessary log jams anymore. The only log jam would be Julius and Obi. And I think that problem isolated will, will work itself out. You know what I'm saying? Julius yeah. and Obi will work itself out. If Obi is really ascending, you can't stop it. You're not going to be able to stop it this year. You won't be able to because this isn't Julius Randle take us home time anymore. You have well, a then you have to fire the coach. You, then you have to fire I him. Have, I don't think I, – again, Rick Brunson is not an assistant coach. He's, he's, he's the father of Jalen Brunson. And, and, and Tom Thibodeau doesn't have any real assistant coaches. I know we love Johnny Bryant, but the, that, Johnny Bryant is not, you know – dominating Tibbs in a conversation. Thibodeau is the number one basketball mind in this organization, and that's how it's going to be during the duration of his five-year deal. I don't I don't see changing. So, but, I don't. okay, so then, then unless it's... Unless it gets really bad, unless it gets really bad, and I don't think it will. I don't think it'll get really bad. So I then think you've got a lot of young talent on the team. I think you got free agents that are middling products and can win 40 games and i think fans will pay and fans will get their one or two wins in the playoffs here and there and uh things will go status quo and 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 at the end of it it will then then dolan will you know look at dolan dolan don't give a shit about about this situation dolan likes being as far away as possible as rich as possible that's what he likes to do but that I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. Like I actually don't think. No, no, Knicks- no. But I'm saying, why does why should Dolan have to find a new coach for the guy that was the coach of the year two years ago? Why? In his mind, he could get talked into that, and that's the problem. Is Thibodeau is not being held accountable by anybody in the front office. So that's and, right. So that that yeah. that's that's where you know we are. Like it's a rudderless ship because Leon Rose seems to just be, you know, loyalty to La Familia. Why was Ricky? Why was Ryan or Richie? Whatever. Why was he on this team last year? <laughs> like it's just Leon Rose taking care of people. At the end of the day, when you really look at it, you see Twitter, you see Aaron Mintz, you see CAA, and it all starts to make sense. And it's not a conspiracy. No. (laughs) So, um, look, I mean, within those confines of the context clues, I say there's three context clues for every Knicks move. It always has to run through Tibbs being the head coach. 
CAA being the mafia and the New York Knicks organization generationally being optic driven. So within those three things, you can get a good player. You can't get a good draft pick. You can't have a favorite Nick, but you don't see championship yielding from that because when you're bound to conditional moves, you can't make a tough move. It's, you it's need ridiculous. tough moves. You need to make a yeah. tough move. You need to look a guy in the face and say, nope, you're sitting out for the rest of the year. You can't do that when you're confined to three different powers. Tibbs runs the organization in, in a lot of different ways, more than drawing up a play, which he doesn't even do. <laughs> so Yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, and somehow I'm supposed to be positive about this, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm not positive about it at all because it's a rudderless ship. It's yeah. it's a it's a shit, you know, it's a front office with one foot in and one foot out, and exactly. none of it makes any any sense. And we tried to take each of these moves draft night, the Brunson deal, Mitchell Robinson deal, the Alec Burks trade as like as its own entity, but it's not. It's not, unfortunately. And you know, I, I said it last year when when Tibbs got up at the press conference and said Alec Burks at point guard give us the gives us the best chance to win, and he said it with a straight face, right? That is when he should have been fired, right? And the fact that he wasn't means that like Leon Rose is in on it, and until Tibbs and Randall and maybe Leon Rose are gone. None of this is ever going to work. It's not. Yeah. It's just I think right not. now, I think right now, if you have to get rid of one of those three, it's Randall. It's Randall. Yeah, it's ultimately, Randall. ultimately, you know, the players on the court dictate the outcome more than the coach does. Just like I, I say it in all of sports. I, Randall is the first one to go, but Tibbs should have been gone already because that is that doesn't require a trade. That's just All saying losses from Los Angeles Saturday night up until Brooklyn on uh, that. I think it was a Tuesday night. Those losses, the losses to Portland, the, the playing RJ Barrett in the last 10, 15, 50 seconds against Denver and getting him hurt. Um, the loss against OKC on Valentine's day. Um, it, just so many of those right in a row. I just felt like it was such an easy time to pull the plug. All right. We just got I, – I didn't expect us to be this depressed after all this, but this is this is the life as a Knicks fan. This is – it's awful. But I like Hardenstein. I like Brunson. I like these guys. Yeah. Yeah, on the surface, all right, fine. We'll have our moment. Like, people forget. Within last year, January 6th, R.J. Barrett, he had a very, very entertaining buzzer beater. And there were many times as Knicks fans that we banded around the team. And, you know, playoffs are never really a conversation. But there are things that, that you can, that, that can survive um, long term here. So, I mean, within, you know, within the depressing parts of it, you know, there, there are a lot of players that you, you definitely can, can't really screw it up so much. You know what I mean? So um, 
I'm still a big fan of RJ Barrett. I'm a huge fan of Quentin Grimes. Big fan of Obi Toppin. You know, a big fan of Emmanuel Quickly, Deuce McBride. You know, uh, there's a lot of players on this roster that offer something to us and offer something to the rest of the NBA that are looking. Um, so, I mean, is what it is. We're not, we're not in the, as, as, as weird as it sounds, we're probably in the best spot we've been in in the last 20 some odd years. Um, I don't because know. Of the flex- I think, I think the flexibility, it, it doesn't go down. I mean, like, I know people are afraid of the seventh middling seed kind of thing, but as far as the players and their ceiling not being actualized, them being on rookie deals, um, the worst deal that you have is a Randall deal. If you if you have the balls to just get off that deal, attach assets that you're not even going to use. You're really not even going to use. Well, if they picks. don't go all in for Donovan Mitchell. Where are the assets being stocked? I would get. Like, I would what, get. Are, what are what are they being used for? What are they being saved? Yeah, for? They're not. They're not a team that's willing to draft. Or, or going to be in a position to draft high in the, in the lottery. So they really got to look themselves in the mirror and figure out who they are, um, which is, again, which is why I would have taken this opportunity, the only gift of a terrible wasted season where you went 3-17 and 17 in a 20-game stretch and took yourself out of any contention for a 10-seed playoff tree with Alec Burks at point guard. You should have taken the one gift, which was a lottery pick, which should have might have been a little bit higher if you put extra ping pong balls in there instead of trying to win against the Wizards and the Raptors at the end of the year. But that's another story. But, you know, we're not a normal run organization. And then on top of that, you got the fans all in a tizzy and they're all, you know, getting, you know, are you happy to see me looks because Carmelo Anthony and Dolan are having a nice little meeting together to rise those StubHub tickets and all the demand for a ticket. Oh, great. For the Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony reunion, uh, which yeah. doesn't really, I don't, you know, I don't know how that helps us. And I just don't know how that helps us as a team. It doesn't. The answer is it doesn't. I don't know what that does for us. Aye. All right. If it couldn't help the Lakers, I don't know what it was going to do for us. Let's just put it like that. Not, not good. Not good at all. All right. We'll let you go on that. I didn't expect to be this depressed, but here I am. Papa left. Thanks so much for doing <laughs> it, man. Um, let's just hope for the Nets' demise because now I – Well, like I would that's say sad. let's talk – when next time we talk, I would hope that Evan Fournier is off this team. But That'd I don't be nice. Uh, but let's hope that next time we talk, the the guy that's off this team is either Evan Fournier or Julius Randle. And if they're still here, let's see how pessimistic I really am. <laughs> I'll hold you to it. I'll hold you to it. I'll speak to you later, bud. Thanks so much for doing it. Most definitely, Aaron. Have a good one. Bye. As I mentioned in the monologue, NBA free agency and trade season has been crazy. It's been off the chains. It started with Kevin Durant demanding a trade. Got a recurring guest to talk about it. We're going to go across the league. We may talk about his favorite team, the Denver Nuggets, a little bit. No other than Avi Wexler. Avi, what's good, bud? How you doing? Hey, thanks for having me on again. Uh, sorry for the flyby over there. I guess uh, the vultures are circling. But, uh, yeah, crazy NBA offseason. It's like not even an offseason at this point, right? Because you go right from the finals 
to the draft to summer league. It's like, it's just a rotating 24, seven, You don't really have any time to breathe. It's been, it's been wild though. I mean, as you said, we offline, like can't even keep track of the days with that with the holidays. It's absolutely crazy. Are you, before we get into um, all things like, you know, off season, are you a summer league guy? Like, I know it's fun. It's fun to talk about, but do you watch it all? Or are you into it at all? I, I, I mean, I've only, I only will casually watch when those like unicorn number one prospects are on there. So like when Zion was on summer league, I watched with Chet and we can get into that later. I watched a little bit, um, but like, otherwise no. And I think that the thing about summer league is that it's really good at bolstering an argument that you want to make about a player when they're really young, but that's about it. I, it's like not real basketball. It's, it's like not even preseason basketball. So I, I don't know what to make of it. It's just like, Hey, this guy is now playing in an NBA uniform. What can we get? Out of it? But I don't think it's that big of a deal personally. I, I know people were talking about the Chet Holmgren game last night and you know, a lot of skill was on display. He had a great game, but as much as you want to get excited, it's summer league. I just can't. Yeah. Like yeah. we've seen, you know, I'm a Knicks fan. I, we saw Kevin Knox tear up summer league and we'd be like, oh my God, the second coming of like Larry Bird, right? Yeah, and then right, we right. saw Trey Young be absolutely terrible in summer league and look where he is. So I can't get too jazzed up about summer league. I wanted to start off obviously with the Kevin Durant stuff mm-hmm. and not to clown on the Nets because I already did plenty of that and I will continue to enjoy uh, these takes. But if you're the Nets, if you're Josai and Nets management, Sean Marks, how are you handling this? I think you really just have to look in the mirror and accept that the choices you made once again as a, as a team, and I know it was under different ownership with Prokhorov and now Sai, uh, you just have to be like, look, we swung for the fences. We clearly missed. A lot of bad things happened, but nine out of 10 times you're doing the same thing again. That being said, you kind of have to, I think, cut bait with what you have currently and you got to blow everything up and start over. If I'm Joe Sy, I'm going to Sean Marks and I'm saying first get Kyrie off this team, do that because we can't commit money to a guy who's just not committed long-term to basketball because of whatever reasons, whether, whether they be religious reasons, whether they be, uh, political reasons, whatever. If basketball is not your premium uh, concern and the thing that you care about most, we can't sign you to a multi-year long-term deal. And if you look back, I think Kyrie's only played in like a hundred of the 250 possible games that he's played in. Him and Kevin Durant have only played in 44 games together and they've been on the same team for three seasons. So, you know, I would yeah, first- Kevin Garnett played more games as a net than Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Together. Even crazy, even crazier than all of that is that if you're like a guy like Brooke Lopez, like Brooke Lopez is still the all-time like points, rebounds, scoring leader, whatever for the Nets, and that's a team that has had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. You had a Paul Pierce on there for a little bit, although whatever. But my point is like, how crazy is that? Like you've James just had Harden, a, James Harden. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> like, yeah. None of them even come close to Brooke Lopez. So what I would first do is double check and see if the KD trade request was a real trade request. Like, was that something that he was saying to Kyrie in like a, yeah, man, I totally hate this team. Like, let's get both get out of here. Like, I don't like it here either because it was weird that the trade request came after the fact that Kyrie opted in. 
And, you know, maybe the opt-in was a way for Kyrie to use leverage, but if anything, I feel like it kind of hampered the leverage on his end. So to me, it's like, I guess he also wants to leave and maybe he wants to leave regardless of where Kyrie goes. I was thinking about like what teams would take Kyrie. And I don't really think there are many just because of the price tag and the antics as good of a talent as he is, obviously, uh, there, are, there is like that big rumor about the Lakers. He wants to go to play with LeBron. LeBron wants him. They want to get rid of, rid of Westbrook. I, the issue is like, how do you trade trash for trash or trash for treasure? I have, I have a bit of a trade that could work and we could get into it and let me know what you think. It would be a three-team trade. You have the Lakers sending Russ and picks over to Brooklyn and Charlotte. And Charlotte would in turn send over like Gordon Hayward, who is injury prone and is expensive and an expiring contract in Kelly Oubre. You send those guys over to the Nets. You break up the two picks or three picks or whatever that the Lakers are going to send. And you have that split between Brooklyn and Charlotte. And then you send Kyrie to LA that, and then this then means Russ goes to Charlotte. And I think Charlotte's just in this like weird spot where they're kind of tanking, not really tanking. And Russ is also a Jordan brand guy. So maybe Jordan will take that and kind of work with it. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it works on the court, but at this, but I also don't know what Russ works with in general. So. I mean, Russ has been rumored to Charlotte for a while, but I don't see that happening. I, I just, I don't see. It's funny. Cause when Kyrie opted in, his path to the Lakers, to me, got a lot more difficult because that means they have to trade Westbrook. And right. I just don't see teams taking Westbrook without getting many assets attached to it. And the Lakers just don't have the assets attached to it. But yeah, yeah. I think well, I, I think I think like a three I think a three team trade has to be done for both Durant and. Kyrie and those guys are going to be going in separate places and those would be separate deals. But I just think the only way you can get rid of Westbrook is in a three team trade where some team is taking on salary and they're going to be taking picks out of it too. I think if I'm Brooklyn, as long as you can just get rid of Kyrie and get him off your books, you'll deal with it. So, I mean, that's kind of, and then like in this, in this trade scenario, you're getting a guy in Hayward who's like kind of a vet, he's a bit expensive, but you know, there's still a name attached there. And if he's healthy, he can play. If not, you just flip him at the deadline or whatever. And Ubre is on an expiring and he's young. So like, why not? Well, I kind of hope for the Knicks sake that Gordon Hayward is not involved in this because there's a Gordon Hayward, Julius Randall uh, situation mm-hmm. That could potentially be brewing considering Miles Bridges may be in prison in a little bit, but we're not going to talk about that. I want Kyrie. Yeah. Kyrie is uh, the only other team I could see going after Kyrie is Dallas because they lost Brunson. They, they clearly need somebody and they needed to take a swing. I, I don't know what the market is for him. And the more and more I think about it and, and a lot of people have said this, I think both those guys are going to be in Brooklyn next year. And to answer my own question, if I'm the Nets, I play hardball with Durant. At a certain yeah. point, somebody's going. somebody in NBA ownership is going to have to take back the power. And I've mentioned this in you know multiple times that the players – I mentioned it again in the monologue – that the players are becoming less and less good business partners for the league with the antics that they're – 
you know, just acting like jerks and that contracts don't matter. It seems like the college transfer portal. And at a certain point, you know, the chickens are going to come to roost and it's going to affect the CBA negotiations. And this is something that David Stern never would have stood for. Right. Adam Silver has, for all the praise that he gets, Adam Silver has done so many things to destroy the NBA, um, but whatever. It, I would just play hardball. I would play hardball because if you're not going to get what you want, and I saw something, I saw a tweet saying that like Aiton, Bridges, and five first round picks isn't enough for Kevin Durant. Like I, would I think that. that I think I that's think ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that's way enough because he's 34 years old and he just got swept out of the playoffs. Like this isn't this isn't Steph Curry. This isn't Giannis. Like, what are we doing here? If that's offered, like, if I'm the Nets, I take it just because I think it's a good trade. But it, I would play hardball with Durant. Also, if, he, if Katie's saying he doesn't want to be there, then, yeah, like, you can either, as you said, do the staring contest. And I think that can work because if I'm, the, if I'm ownership, I'm looking at you being like, hey, you're the one who has a legacy on the line. For us, like, we're going to always be around here or whatever. Like, we don't really care. You're the one who is 34. You probably have three or four good years left. And right. if you want to sit out a year, go ahead. That's your own legacy. Like, I do, and I don't, don't think Kevin Durant would sit out a year. I don't think he would. I don't think he would either. Right. I, I, that's that's why I have some of the issues with his trade request. It was a weird timing for that to be announced the same day that Kyrie opted in. I, I didn't fully understand it. I, I don't know if that's the two of them working together or if KD is taking stock and being like, I really just need to get out of here. I. What you said before about Dallas being a trade partner, I don't even think Dallas would just because I don't imagine Cuban, the owner, would be the type to kind of capitulate to a guy like Kyrie. I just don't see it. Like, I don't think Cuban's a guy who's going to try to make a bad deal just for a name player. They, they're not even signed. They didn't even sign Goran Dragic for like the vet minimum who's best friends with Luca. You know, so yeah, why would- I think that's because I don't think they they believe that he can play. Like, I don't think they think he's healthy. Like if Dragic, if they really thought that he could help them, given the glaring need of a secondary ball handler, I think they would do it, right? Yeah. I, I just don't think they think he's healthy. I, I really don't know where Kyrie fits if it's not possibly with the Lakers, but that's tricky. The basketball fit in Dallas may work again. He's he's the complete wild card because he's a nutcase like i have a strict no Kyrie on my team under any circumstances but i'm just trying to think of what other people would think about like i think they both end up back in brooklyn it's hard not to see them i i think that's what they're gonna have to do which is fine i mean like i i think if you look at what their roster is currently like with the some of the offseason moves that they have it's actually not a bad team on paper the question is how many games are they going to play together right so i don't know let me ask you this. If you had to trade Durant, what's what's your favorite theoretical Durant trade? My favorite one, and I, and I put it through the trade machine, so I, I and it does work out, but I, I think Memphis would be the best for, for a couple reasons. One, from a basketball standpoint, uh, you get KD on an ascending young team that just has a lot of good shooters and defenders and playmakers, and you have him and Jaw. That's really fun, and they could definitely use that guy who – is in any bucket getter other than Jaw, because as good as Jaw is, he's a little bit less consistent than, than Durant, you'd say, right? So who would you send back? I would send Brooks, Stephen Adams, Danny Green, and a bunch of picks, because I don't think that Memphis needs their first-round picks for the next three or four years based on how they're playing. 
those are late. Those end up being late first. You can do pick yeah, swaps. Yeah, but I, I'm not sure that that's that's not enough for the Nets. They're, they're, there's no prime asset that they're getting. The prime asset I you could make the argument is Dylan Brooks, and then maybe the picks. If you wanted to say Jaron Jackson, that's fine. But Jaren they Jackson can't tank. They can't tank. They have none of their picks. They can't tank. They have to be good. You're gonna have to say, which is why my. If you're the Lakers, right? Anthony Davis and something for Kevin Durant. That's I, I think that's the most logical trade. Yeah. As that's much as I don't like Davis, he's still a top 15 player in the league. You know, if you're the Nets, you could easily talk yourself in, right? And Durant is a Laker. I, I feel like that's the I feel like that's the most logical thing to do. You wouldn't do you wouldn't if you're if you're the Nets and no one else is offering you anything, you wouldn't do Brooks, Bain, Danny Green, Adams, and Picks. Like you wouldn't do that. It's, it not, good, what, it's not good enough because I, I I'm giving up three picks and two pick swaps unprotected going forward for the next five years, thanks to the James Harden trade. Right. I need something that I'm gonna win with. Like I can't, yeah. like, there's no there's no tanking scenario. Yeah, I get that. That's fair. What about not necessarily tanking, but almost tanking? If, I mean, because New Orleans has like a bevy of picks from all the deals that they got from Anthony Davis. And if you trade Ingram, Larry Nance, and a few of those picks around, maybe a Herb Jones type, then maybe I mean, you can talk yourself into them. you can talk to yourself into Ingram. I'm just if I'm the Lakers, go get Kevin Durant. Pair him with LeBron, send Davis back, and let, let's get on with the, our lives. So then, but then if you're the Lakers, the Lakers are going to be like, okay, we're, we're going to attach our wagon to a 34 year old with injury history and a 38 year old, despite the fact that they're two of the greatest players ever. That's Guess almost what? like what they. Guess what? The 29 year old has worse injury history than the 34 year old. All right. And he's way less. Uh, you know, he's way less. He, he can't be counted on. So I, go, go for it. Then go you're, for then it. You're, but then you're looking. But then you're looking at the assets that you gave up to get him, and you're like, well, then can we really give him up? Because we've already won one championship with him when he's healthy. So maybe we might as well just hold on to him because I'd rather have him for at 29 for the rest of his contract and the extension as opposed to Kevin Durant, who with four years on the deal just asked for a trade. That's why I'm not, I wouldn't. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure I'd rather Davis the next four years than Kevin Durant. I think I, I, I think Kevin Durant's a safer bet, as crazy as that is. I, I'm, I don't no, and I don't think I don't think that's crazy at all. I, I don't think it's crazy at all. I'm just saying from a from a team aspect. You're looking at what you gave up to get Davis and the fact that you got a championship out of him when he's healthy. I could see a team talking themselves into let's hold on to Davis because when he's healthy, we are a championship team as opposed to KD where it's like this guy's also been injured and he's 34. So who has a higher ceiling in, in four years from now? I, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying what if I'm the Lakers, that's how I'm looking at it. All right. Enough about these schmigegs because they're, they're pains in the butt. Um, your Celtics, obviously lost the finals, whatever yep. it happens. Uh, Steph Curry was the best player on the court. Jason Tatum was not, it, it, it wasn't going to be, they made a couple of moves in the off season so far. So on a scale of one to 10, where are you at with the Celtics right now? 
Uh, like on how their off season's going, I'd say a seven out of 10. I think that's kind of where I view just how the team is strength wise and based on how they compared in the off season with some of their counterparts with like Philly, Miami and uh, Milwaukee, I'd say Brogdon was a great trade for them. They basically gave up the end of their bench and a first and a late first round pick for a guy who shoots 46, 40 and 90 basically. And you can run our offense around him. He's a good supplement for a guard. They kind of have this like four headed monster in Brogdon with, or with Brogdon, uh, smart, white and Pritchard, where you have guys with different limitations, very clear limitations, but at the same time, they complement each other on the floor with their skill sets. And you can kind of play any combination of the two of them with your Tatum Brown Horford Williams combo. What I think it did do this trade specifically was just give them more lineup flexibility and gave them someone who else who can also create a shot, which is something that they very desperately needed as the season went along. And that's kind of why those playoff series got extended. And you could point to some of the losses and be like those bench guys, if they couldn't score, then they were really giving you nothing. And that's, and that's yeah. what Brogdon's going to be. I don't think so. And I, I think I saw a report that Brogdon himself is not going to be a starter. I think he'll be a sixth man. And, you know, maybe that's the case for 70% of the season, but if you get him 30% of the season and then some really crunch time minutes, he's like out there with your five. I think that's a really good starting five or he's a good six man. I'm interested to see the dynamic between him and Marcus Smart because at the surface, I think Brogdon's a better player. I just okay. do. Brogdon's not never healthy. That's why he was able to be gotten for what the Celtics gave up, like because he's never healthy. Yeah. Um, assuming everybody's healthy and they get into you know late playoff games, matchup dependent. If they have to choose between Smart and Brogdon, if they choose Brogdon, I wonder how Smart's going to take it, given where Smart thinks he is in terms of importance to the franchise. I think it's just an interesting dynamic that it's worth looking at. I agree it was a great trade because you don't need Brogdon a lot during the regular season. Right. And yeah, this should ease the burden on Tatum and Brown, uh, specifically in the playoffs, so they don't have to play 40, 41 minutes a night every single game for you to have a chance because the yeah. Derek White thing comes and goes, whatever. I I'm just curious to know what, what the dynamic looks like in a well, playoff think, setting if they choose yeah. to have Brogdon out there over Smart and to Smart like kick his feet and get a little pissy. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I, I think – it's something that you like out of a player. Like you want your players to be competitive and want to be out there. And I think that this, if anything, just gives them the, the reliance, it gives the whole team and Marcus included, I think the reliance to know that, okay, if Derek white isn't, is not going to be the good Derek white tonight, then he'll, then he'll be on the bench while we have Brogdon taking those minutes away from, him. I, I just don't foresee because I think the, the gap between Brogdon and smart is small. And you could argue either way who's better, I, I think, and I'd, I'd accept either argument. But I think the gap between those two and Derek White is so big that it doesn't really matter. I, I don't see a crunch time five where, regardless of matchup dependency, you have Brogdon on the floor and not Smart, assuming everybody's healthy. Just because Smart's defensive versatility is where he's going to stay on the floor, even if he's well, it depends if you if you have to play against a team that you know you have to play two big guys against. Okay. Right, because that because then you can't play, 
you know, two guards, the two swings and, and a center, you have to play, you know, Horford and Rob Williams or, or, you know, my least favorite player in the league right now, Grant Williams and a big guy, um, whatever. I, I, I can't stand that guy. <laughs> shout out to uh, hold on. Shout out to uh, the Twitter account, the Grant uh, Williams. Hey, like, use, love I, that. Love that. Account. It's it, it makes me irrationally angry, but <laughs> in 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 a funny way. Uh, but yeah. yeah, no. So I mean, it's going to be matchup dependent, like it always is. But if they have to going to if they're going to have to be in a situation where they're going to play two big guys, who's yeah. the who's the odd man out? Who's the odd? swing guy out assuming there's no foul trouble and i'm curious to see right. in this case that it's marcus how does marcus handle it because we all know marcus is is of a certain personality and mentality and he means a certain thing to the franchise whether it's deserved or not whatever you know what i'm getting at here like i'm just no, curious I, to see how I, the I dynamic plays out yeah i, I get that and we can just transition to this to, to the other acquisition that the Celtics did. I, I'd like to know what you think the Gallinari um, acquisition was on their part. I, I don't think it's official yet, but it sounds like it's everything but like signed on the dotted line. But it, that it seems like he's going to go to the Celtics. Uh, I feel like he, at, at his age and kind of where his health is, also he's nothing more to me than a another second unit scorer who doesn't give you anything on defense and he's not going to give you anything in the playoffs probably but he can spell some of those moments when Tatum and Brown are off he can create his own shot and he's a veteran so you'll take that too he's a bigger wing who can score he's gonna be you know like an innings eater like in baseball an innings eater during the regular season to ease the burden on Brown and Tatum so and I and I think that's fine that's fine yeah it's it's totally fine they're not paying you know I I think his contract was like it was 20 million but if it wasn't, you know, guaranteed by a certain date, it was five. Like yeah. they're paying him five million dollars. Fine. Like whatever. Fine. Yeah. If he can, if he can help a little bit in the playoffs and but ease the burden during the regular season, great. It's a win. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's just one of those things where injuries can really derail a team over the course of a season. I feel like if he's healthy and if Brogdon's healthy, which are the two big ifs, obviously, just having those guys in the rotation is just good for a team whether it's in the middle of January or just even in the middle of like April, just for a few minutes stretches. Right. So I, I think it just, it, it made, it makes the team a lot more flexible with, with their lineup because it yeah. gives you those options. That being said, I also don't really, I, I kind of wish that they, and you know, maybe it still happens, although I doubt it at this point, I kind of wanted them to go after like a John Collins type, like one of those stretch four kind of guys who can, score and yeah, you're gonna have to, you're, you're gonna have to trade somebody who was the prime yeah. asset that was gonna be traded is it marcus no so that's the thing i don't because i don't think you're i don't think they're breaking up the mark i don't think they're trading marcus for john collins I, right so then then it will but yeah. but then it wasn't available it's not available so probably not right but like we've seen some trades before where it's just like the guy's gonna leave and the team's just gonna take even 50 cents in the dollar just so that they can then spin it and say hey we got something and this guy can do this whatever like if you're telling me it's like grant williams Derek White and picks for for John Collins, like, I mean, I could I could see them doing that, you know. I, I and I'm not saying like, yeah, I could see the Celtics doing that too. If I'm no, the Atlanta I'm saying, Hawks, I say no, thank you. Yeah, maybe maybe not. If if you're if you're a team that that has a guy who just doesn't want to be there anymore, and you don't feel like paying him, and you don't really know where the minutes are going to be for them, because you're going to have guys on Atlanta that you're that are going to need those minutes based on what you're paying them, like DeAndre Hunter. Where does Collins fit in? 
That's my that's my point. So I mean, like, yeah, it would be nice for them to have for the Celtics to have the Horford replacement because that guy is not getting any younger, obviously, and just a backup for Rob Williams because of the injury history with him. But I think otherwise for the Celtics, what they did so far in the offseason with their uh, Brogdon trade and the uh, Gallo signing, I think those are just two steps in the right direction for a team that was about five quarters away from the finals. So on a scale of one to ten, where are you at? I'll, I'll give it I'll give it like a seven, seven and a half, just because, you know, the big beast in the East, I'd still say is Giannis. Even though we won the conference, I'd still say Giannis and the Bucks are still a tougher team to worry about. But I'm curious where you think how you would rank the teams in the East right now. And if you want to get to it later, we can. I just I'm not really sensing confidence from Miami or Philly or the Bucks based on how they've gone with their offseason. I didn't think that and we can get into it later. I, I didn't think that the the PJ Tucker signing was this this uh, this mountain moving of a signing for Philly. That's just me personally, but I don't know. Um, listen, I, I I still think the Bucks are the class of the East when all healthy, yeah. uh, and we're going to get into you know our favorite signings and and off season moves that we liked. But I thought, I mean, this is one of mine. the The flyer on Joe Ingles, I think, was perfect for them. Uh, another ball handler off the bench, a guy who can knock down a three, smart defensively. It was somebody I thought the Celtics were going to target. I mean, they yes, kind of got that same dude in Brogdon, yep. but uh, Joe. So, I, but I think the Celtics and them are neck and neck. Uh, sure. It depends on what Miami does. Miami always finds a way to do something, and yeah. I still, I still respect the hell out of them. So I think you know there, there's a clear top four. I mean. Milwaukee, Boston, I think are the clear top two. Miami yeah. and Philly are in their own tier as as a three and a four. And then, you know, there's a lot of teams that are jumbled up uh, looking, you know, five to the end. But right. even those teams that are jumbled up, they're good teams, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and the Nets are a wild card because you don't know what the hell they're going to be, even though I don't think they're going to be better than the top four teams. But we'll see. We'll see. So that, that's a good transition into we'll go back and forth. We're each going to pick one move that we liked. Uh, we each wrote down five. We don't know each other's moves. I guess I'll start because I just mentioned him. Joe Ingles to the Bucks. So non-Celtics moves, um, and I didn't include any Knicks moves because – I have a whole segment going to talk about the Knicks. Um, your uh, one of your favorite moves, starting with your first favorite move of the offseason. It can be a trade, it can be a signing. What is it? So I think honestly, and in, I don't have them in any order, but I think my first favorite move of the offseason was the Christian Wood to Dallas trade. Where interesting, make the case. I think that what Luca clearly needed. If you weren't going to get a guy in Kristaps who could really do anything for you at that point, but you still needed someone who Luca could play with and actually score, I feel like the Wood replacement is a good replacement for them. I don't think Houston needed him personally, just on how their lineup was transitioning towards and what they as a franchise are. So, just from both sides, you got good value. I think if you're Houston because you got some uh, picks out of it, and then you get Wood for Dallas, which I think is a good. Uh, a good addition for them. He's just another guy who can score and has some defensive uh, versatility. So I, when, I he, when he wants to play defense, when right? The, the whole thing with Christian Wood is he's not that old a dude, and he's been on a lot of teams. Now, again, he's been in a lot of bad situations. Exactly, exactly. So is Jason Kidd going to be able to unlock him into the best version of him? 
Maybe, but it's definitely worth the gamble, right? Yeah. I mean, Dallas hasn't had a, a great offseason to begin with, so right. it's definitely worth the gamble. Good lob threat. That means mm-hmm. it's less Josh Powell, who I like as a player, but not as somebody who should be as prevalent in a rotation as he was. So exactly. I, that wasn't one of my five just because I'm lukewarm on Christian Wood, but I, I can understand that. My – yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I think, yeah, just to quickly say, I think when you are trying to show Luca A, as a team that, hey, we're getting these guys here who are bigger contract guys, and this guy can also score, I think that does something for the team. But as you said before, you know, and we'll get into it, the, the Brunson leaving is definitely going to be a negative for them, and they still need some help defensively. But, I, but you know, if they're healthy and they're knocking down threes, they're still a very good team. They made it to the conference finals, right? So Right now, this Luca situation in Dallas is looking a lot like the first Cleveland LeBron stint where it's just a lot of things not going right uh, in free agency. I, I'm j- it's just something to monitor, right? LeBron had that great run in 2007 and then it kind of was just like, what the hell happened? And then he ended up leaving it's just something to keep in mind. My second move is Bruce Brown to Denver. Your yep. Denver Nuggets. Uh, yep. Two years, 13 mil. He's really good defensively. Makes corner threes. Is a good cutter. To me, this is like the perfect guy to play off of Jokic. And I don't understand how the Lakers don't sign him. Right? I don't get it. Like, we've seen him play off of, you know, ball-dominant guys with LeBron, I mean, with Durant and Kyrie when they were available. Like, how is he not a Laker? This is a great signing by the Nuggets. Phenomenal signing. It was actually my. It was actually one of my my five best signings, too. So I'm happy that we agreed on it. Because- Makes no sense. Like, how did this happen? Yeah, I, it's crazy to me that, that the Lakers, who clearly needed two-way guys who give a shit, like who can move around, play defense, and care, like why you wouldn't want that on your team. I well, because he's not a clutch that. client, right? He's not a I clutch think. client. That's probably what it is. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, right. But but at the same time, it's like, what are we doing here? I'm like, so the Nuggets get a great piece, you know? I mean, like for everything, like a healthy Nuggets team next year, dangerous, really dangerous. I, I like them a lot, right? Murray's gonna be Murray's gonna be coming back, and I know that coming off of the injury, it still takes a couple years to get back to yourself, but you know, he's younger than clay and clay came off of back-to-back ACL injuries. So I feel like Murray's in this spot where he can be this just incredible supernova white hot score for them when they need him to be. When Luke, when not, when not little, when Jokic is the main guy, Michael Porter jr. If he's healthy is an absolute force. And then Bruce Brown. I mean, that's a really good four out four out of five guys where you can round out with another solid wing player, you know? Well, because we overlapped, it brings me to my next move. Yeah. KCP and Ish Smith to Denver for Will Barton and Monty Morris. All right? Okay. A, why I like this is because they clearly didn't want to pay Monty Morris the amount of money that it was going to take to keep him. He's a backup point guard for them. They have, you know, Jamal Murray is going to be back healthy. So paying Monty Morris big money uh, wouldn't make a lot of sense. And KCP for them is a better fit. Then Will Barton, KCP, slides right in. Good wing defender, good shooter, you know, 
not high maintenance. No. Denver really did some nice things. And they and they and they and the craziest part about it, and we can get to it later, they lost their GM who who was like the guy. Like I, I yeah, Tim Connolly. He's in I, uh, I, yeah. I have like all these friends who were like huge Tim Connolly fans, and I was just like, I didn't know that like people. Well, we'll get to we'll get to the deal that he did. Oh, exactly, and that exactly why I'm like, yeah, are you sure you really like him that much? Because like whatever, but yeah, I mean, great great offseason for Denver. I, I I think right now, if you had to pick uh, who the, who your favorite was coming out of the West, I actually would say them over every other team. But we can get. Well, I mean, Golden. Golden I would yeah, say it's, it's somewhere between them, Golden State, and. The Clippers, if they're healthy, have yeah. to be considered. But I, I well, love what Denver's done this offseason. Yeah, right. I don't love the Clippers offseason either. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we mentioned it before, so I, I'm just going to reiterate the Brogdon trade for the Celtics because anytime you're that close to winning and then you mm-hmm. kind of solve that piece that you need where like it's a clearly a glaring hole for them, this, the Brogdon trade to the Celtics based on the – the end of bench slots that you gave up. Sorry about that. Sick flyover, nice. I know, seriously, flyovers for my takes. <laughs> I, I think the I think the fact that you basically gave up nothing for a guy who, when healthy, can slide right in it for as your starting point guard or your sixth man of the year potentially. Just a guy who comes and scores and wants to be there and is relatively young. That's why it was one of my favorite traits because it was an example of another championship level team trying to get better with an obvious signing and they didn't have to break the bank to get him. It was on my list too. It's a good, it's a good risk. It's a low fly, low cost move. It was on my list too. Yeah. All right. I got two more. Okay. Malik Monk, two years, 19 mil to the Sacramento Kings. Okay. I love this. Now I I've always been a Monk guy. I wanted Same. the Knicks to draft Monk back in the day. Uh, yeah, they not, um, I thought he was really valuable for the Lakers last year. I know the Lakers were a train wreck. He's He slides in nicely. I actually think the Kings have had a really nice offseason. Uh, I like the Kevin Herter trade for them. I like this signing. De'Aaron Fox back with his running mate. Let's yep. do this, Sacramento. I love this. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I mean, they're, they're definitely a team that I feel like every year they're like, oh, kind of interesting. They have all these wings and guards who can like, score maybe they'll do something at the deadline because they they don't have like that guy i guess like sabonis is supposed to be that guy for them but he's not really that type of guy like that you build around i'd say so like you know come around the deadline if they're selling like they're gonna have all these guys that they can just sell away i do like monk a lot i do i don't understand why the once again why the lakers ineptitude in holding on to guys well they they just couldn't afford it this, I know. Was the, this was a case of that we just can't afford it. Yeah, but maybe that's a case where, you know, you kind of move stuff around or kind of come to some under-the-table agreement, but like, hey, we'll sign you big. Just, like, hold out for us. I don't know. I, I understand, but, like, if I'm – it looks bad for the Lakers if you're losing Malik Monk to Sacramento. I know he gets to go play with De'Aaron Fox, but it's not a great look for them. I th- Well, I mean, the Lakers are in cap hell. Like, this is what happens when you yeah. put yourself in a box. and. I think as weird as draft night was for the Sacramento Kings and not taking uh, Ivy or trading back and getting some yeah. more assets to potentially take Keegan Murray later, you know, he may be a nice player for them. I think the Kings are going to finally 
break the streak, and they're going to be a play-in tournament team this right. year. I think it's going to happen. And the last one I had on my list was the DeAnthony Melton trade to the Sixers. Okay. It's just another guard who's who's got some juice in his legs, right? Maxi yep. has juice in his legs. Melton has juice in his legs. And they need that because James Harden doesn't have juice. And we'll see what happens with his contract situation. I actually give him a lot of credit for opting out, and they're trying to do, you know, He's trying to help the team win. I mean, we'll see if they go completely cutthroat and just, like, don't <laughs> offer it. That would be the funniest, especially for a guy who clowns on Harden the way I do. But I like yeah. the Anthony Melton trade to them. He's a, he's a good player who played, you know, on a good team, played playoff minutes. Okay. I like that a lot. I, I'm, I'm interested to see where he fits in their rotation. I'm just trying to think of the minutes distribution of where it's where those minutes are coming. He's, from. he's your third guard, your first guard off the bench. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fine. I, he's, I, I haven't. I have to be. I have to be honest. Where I haven't. There's not a lot of time that I've spent on DeAnthony Melton Island, so I can't. So I can't. I can't say whether or not oh, I. They would call you. Him. They would call you in the business a casual. We expect yeah. more from you. Come on. <laughs> All right. So what's the last move that we haven't spoken about that you liked, and then we'll go to the deals we hated. So I mean. This is only a one-sided way that I liked it because on my list of way of teams or moves that I hated, I really, really liked the Jazz getting the haul that they got for Gobert. Okay, this is great because that was my number one move I hated. Of course. Let's talk about it. So Rudy Gobert goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Walker Kessler, yep. four first-round picks. Uh, Patrick Beverly was in the trade. Jared Vanderbilt was in the trade. There was another guy who was in the trade. Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley. He's a pending free agent, so that's an expiring contract. Okay. Yeah. So you like this trade for the Jazz. I like it for the Jazz, too. Yes. Why do you like it for the Jazz, and what do you think the, what do you think it means for Donovan Mitchell? So first, I, the reason I like it for the Jazz is because, of course, Danny Ainge does it again, and he ends up doing the same thing that he swindled the Nets on. Yeah. Now, now they have five picks, right? Basically five, four, four or five picks uh, of guys who are, you know, they maybe, are, they maybe end up being later picks, but because of pick swaps or whatever, they, those guys could turn into lottery picks. They could turn into really good asset pieces. But that, this is what you do when you have a guy who, as good as Gobert is, defensive player of the year several times, all-NBA, basically a cornerstone of what that franchise has been for the better part of the last decade or so. When he's 30, and clearly the issues with him and Donovan Mitchell, who is, I think, the more important star for your team going forward, is what you're going to build around. The fact that they got all of that for Gobert, who once again is on the wrong side of 30 now, and has his limitations that we've clearly seen in playoff series and from the offensive end, you have to look at that as a just complete A++ win for uh, Danny Ainge and the Jazz. What you're doing there is you're resetting the franchise while still having your cornerstone in Donovan Mitchell there. So if he's still unhappy, fine. Go accrue more picks like what the Thunder are doing. If, he, if you can move some stuff around and get another player there, 
great, but it gives you that flexibility and you keep the more important piece. I also kind of like guys like Beverly and guys like Beasley, even on an expiring for this team. They, they need those types of guys on their team. And if you need to, you can flip them. Jared Vanderbilt was really good for the yeah. T-Wolves last year. Now, again, I don't think that they're keeping Donovan Mitchell. I think this is a complete dare down, and they're they're angling for the French kid in the draft. Or Scoot um, – I think his last name is Scoot Henderson, who is in G League Ignite, who's oh, I've seen some, yeah. really awesome, right? Yeah. Yes. And it's time for my New York Knicks to get on the phone and – basically sell the farm because they just paid Jalen Brunson $25 million a year. Who's never going to make an all NBA team, let alone an all-star team, whatever. We're not going down Nick's road again. I, I'm all, I've already done that. Um, why I hated this trade so much for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Anytime you could give up five first round picks to pay a guy $44 million who routinely gets played off the floor in the playoffs. Like you have to do it. Right. Right. <laughs> you absolutely have to do it. I oh. mean, just to play him 22 minutes in a playoff game, it's a must, right? Right. I mean, I mean it's just oh. my feelings are on Gobert are, are exceedingly evident. All right. Part, part of the reason why I can't stand them so much is the contract. The contract is an albatross of a contract. Right. I, I, I've heard arguments that it's, you know, it's going to be great in the regular season. And it very well may be because we've seen that Gobert does really well in the regular season. The, the advanced numbers show it, right? It's just yeah. I'm trading all this stuff for what? A, a ceiling of the second round where I just spent all this money on a Supermax for Carl Anthony Towns? Like I just – I don't see, like, why? Well, it's not getting me to the Western Conference Finals. Like, it, no, you know, I, I, don't even, I don't even know if it gets you the Western Conference Semis, right? I mean, look, I, you can you can convince me from a on the on the court stand on the on the court standpoint that you know if you have if you have Towns on the floor with Gobert, you can make it work, and you have a guy lining up at, at the free throw line, you have another guy at the at the right in the paint, right next to the basket, sure, whatever fine plus you know you can say phenomenal defensive talent that gobert is you're not going to dispute that at all but the limitations are are, are there and and the defense is getting worse it's statistically worse. gotten worse every year yeah and I and, and it wasn't their biggest need it really wasn't it, it wasn't a need and i think part of it is new gm tim connelly that we're talking about not new gm but new gm for minnesota plus new ownership group they want to make they want to make a split yep that's it. But, but that's just like, how many times have we seen just where there's new ownership or new GM and they're like, I need to like, I need to be the, the, the talk of the town for this. It just doesn't make any sense to me why they are the ones who are paying for it because you saw what the team was and they are building around your towns and your Anthony Edwards more to more, more so Edwards than, than Gobert. I just don't even know from a basketball standpoint where Gobert fits with, an Edwards type of player. I feel like you need to get a better guard than you need to get a better big, but like, I it doesn't make any well, sense. Well, they, they were rumored to be in on DeJounte Murray. I just don't understand if they were in on him, then why not overwhelm the Spurs, use the same offer and get your guy who's 26 years old, who, you know, is, is a really nice compliment to Edwards. And I, I just, it may work in the regular season. They may win 50 games. And yeah. for a Minnesota franchise that 
hasn't had a sustained run of like three years of playoffs in a row, I get why that's important. I get it. You know, it's not a free agent destination. I get all that. But like, if you're going to overpay, Rudy Gobert's not the guy to overpay for. I I just, I I don't, I don't get it. I I just don't get it. Do you think, I don't know if this is a, a, if if this is a good take or not, but do you think that Gobert is the, is the other side of the coin for Harden or the defensive equivalent of Harden, where he's a guy who phenomenal regular season, advanced stats, he has a bunch of accolades, but when I think it comes it's accurate, to, yeah, I right, think it's it comes, accurate. When it comes to how much you're paying for the guy and the lack of showing up in the playoffs, I feel like it's not a crazy comparison of the two. So you have to be looking, and he, now he's thirty, and it's just like, what are we doing? I don't want to. It's 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 teams that are shooting themselves in the foot when they don't need to. If if the Timberwolves had not made that trade they're better than how they made that trade, right? That's I don't care what Gobert is going to do for them in the regular season because we've seen this team go really go further than the regular season now. You need to build on that, and this trade doesn't build on that. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I don't think that's it. I just don't – I don't I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me. The t- Minnesota can easily win 50 to 52 games next year, and I'll still say that the trade sucked. Sure, of course, yeah. That, that that's all you need to know. And and it's not just be like, this is, I, I, it's crazy. So what's the next deal that you hate, that you hated? I just, and just quickly about the, the Donovan Mitchell thing. You, you think he's gone, right? I would assume. Yes. I don't think. I, I, agree. I agree with you too. I, I don't think Ainge is going to hold on to him either because he saw how much he could get for Gobert. I mean, listen, he, they, he did it with Pierce back in the day, right? Yeah. He did it with Pierce, but I, I just don't think, I think they want to, be all in and again remember it was different like he wanted to be all in for greg odin and kevin durant and that was the year pierce got hurt right if mitchell is healthy like i know the lottery odds are different but like they want to be all in for the french kid uh so i i just and i think if you're getting this haul because they have to make more moves now. They can't use all these picks going into this season if they're going to keep Donovan Mitchell. Or they have to just just tear it down to the studs, and that's what I think they're going to do. So I don't hate, I don't hate it at all. What, yeah. what, do, you, do you think – who do you think is more likely to be on the team, though, in, in January, Mitchell or Conley? Conley. Because okay. I, I think Mitchell is going to – you know, Mitchell's a 25-year-old All-NBA caliber player i, I sure. think those guys get traded for yeah. um yeah that, that that's what i think uh, i think Connolly, you know Connolly's older and and it's more likely that Connolly moves at the deadline for a team that needs some help yeah. and mitchell be moved in the offseason that yeah. that would be my if i had to put a wager on on those outcomes um so okay next move that you hated number two Honestly, and we, we just touched on a little bit, I don't really understand why the Hawks gave up everything they did for DeJounte Murray. And maybe that's a hot take, but I feel like if I'm giving up that much money for a guy in DeJounte Murray, I need him to complement or make up for the inefficiencies that Trey Young has, and I don't think he does that. Well, he does defensively. It's just not enough, right? It's not enough. It's not enough for what you're giving. And yes, he's young, and yes, he can get better. I just don't know if DeJounte Murray is the guy who I'd be giving up all those assets for. 
And I know that I, Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta needs to make that move because clearly after what happened last year where they just like fell right off because they, I guess, took themselves more less seriously than they should have. And we're like, oh, we're, we made it to the conference finals two years ago. Like we will be Regular right season's back. boring. Trey Young said, quote, the regular season's boring. You're 500. Exactly. Right. So like if, if you're looking at that, then it's like, okay, but maybe go get a, maybe hold on to your picks and kind of splurge on a better player. Like when, don't you think right now that like the, the move for them would have been wait out and see what happens with Durant and Kyrie and then try to pounce on, on Durant. Right. I mean, I, I really like DeJounte Murray as a player. I wanted the Knicks to trade for DeJounte Murray. Um, even if they were going to be signing Brunson, if they weren't going to be signing Brunson, I wanted DeJounte Murray on the Knicks. Uh, I agree with you. The fit's a little weird. If Trey Young is going to be as ball dominant as he is, like it's just not going to – you're not going to see enough of the return to justify what you gave up. And they, uh, already, have, and they already had issues with their wings before, right? Like you didn't right. know like, – I know they got rid of Gallinari and now Herter's also gone, but like – what's the starting five out there in a, in, in what's your starting five in a, in a playoff game or in the crunch, what's your crunch time five in a playoff game? Who is it? Cause I don't know who it is. Yeah. It's, it's weird. My second move I hated was the Bradley Beal Supermax. Okay. I get it for both sides. But what, but where is it getting you? Where, where is this going? Like, and again, I'm of the belief that there are about seven or eight players in the league that deserve the Supermax, sure. right? Seven, eight players in the league right now that deserve the Supermax. Yeah. I know that's not the way the NBA works, but who's signing Bradley Beal to that amount of money per year? Who's doing it? So like, if you're the Wizards, why do you need to do this? Like, you don't need to do this, and especially now that he's, you know, because he's he'll probably want out because the Wizards are going to stink. It's going to be damn near impossible to trade for the guy. Well, Because the number is just so large. No, not even is it near impossible. I, I'm, I'm just double-checking to see. Apparently, he is the only player in the league to have a true no-trade clause in their contract. So... So while they're so he right now literally cannot be traded, and you know obviously we've seen it before. Other guys can ask for trades or choose to not be, but uh, I'm just looking at this tweet from Bobby Marks, and uh, two tweets from Bobby Marks. He's the only only the tenth player ever to have a no trade clause, joining LeBron, Garnett, Melo, Dirk, Kobe, D Wade, Tim Duncan, Dave Robinson, and John Stockton. Which is actually a crazy list, and I wouldn't. And I would say that if you're comparing Beal to the other nine guys on the list, he wouldn't even rank in the. He would. He would rank tenth, obviously. I was but, gonna say one of those things are not like the other. Right. Exactly. So it's crazy. I'm with you from the standpoint of you are your hand cat. You're you're handcuffing yourself to this guy who, as good as he is, is not good enough to bring another star player in. And he's not good enough to elevate the pieces around him to become a good enough of a team. The only time the Wizards have been good was honestly when John Wall was on the team. And that team, you know, was a fun team. They went to they went a couple rounds in the playoffs every year, but like they, they won a round. Congratulations. They, they lost they lost Raptors. to a mediocre Celtics team in game seven, too. Beal was great. But like that was like six years ago already. I, I just right. exactly. I, I don't a, get it either. 
Ter- terrible. Okay, number three for you. For me, it was actually the John Wall. Who we just talked about John Wall going to the Clippers. I think that was just like a weird deal that I feel like the Clippers kind of handcuffed themselves. I know it wasn't for that much, and it was only like a one- or two-year deal, but I feel like what are you getting out of a guy who hasn't really played basketball in the last two or three years? And this is a team that has a bunch of older guys with egos too. So what are you really doing to get better? If I'm them, I'm another team that's trying to get in on the DeJounte Murray sweepstakes. You know, I'm trading a bunch of these first round picks and maybe, um, I don't know, I don't know who was on the team. Was Batum on the team? I forget. But like I would trade picks and assets for a DeJounte Murray if I'm them, a younger guy who can play guard as opposed to what I'm getting out of John Wall. I'm not sure what I'm getting out of John Wall, but no one wanted him and no one wanted to play him either. So what are we really doing here? It's funny. I, again, this is, I spoke about it in the Knicks segment, but given where the Knicks are as a franchise and there's no second star in place where I don't think paying a guy $25 million, that's 22% of your cap uh, to a guy who's never made an all-star team, let alone an all-NBA team, who yep. is maybe the 15th best player at his position. Granted, it's a it's a loaded position right now, but whatever. I just don't think that that's a contract that the Knicks, where they are, should be paying. Sure. Um, I actually would have rather, if I'm the Knicks, take the, take the flyer on John Wall. And I know it was a two-year deal, but it's really a one-year deal, right? Because, like, the second year is an expiring, whatever can right, be thrown right. in. But is it not just another Kemba situation? But again, I, I'd rather that flyer than the long-term investment. That's fine. That, that's um, for that's for the Clippers, I, I, I guess it's fine. It's fine. You, you you see what you have. Like I don't think that's going to cripple them. My my third thing was Mo Bamba to the Magic back for two years, twenty-one million dollars. It's the song. I'm telling you, it, the song is what keeps him relevant. But not just that, like you've now invested tons of money. You know, you've invested the number one pick into a front court player, right? Yep. You've, you have Wendell Carter. You're going to have to make a decision on who they like. I he's mean, good. Wendell Carter. Yeah, I Wendell he's Carter fine. Yeah, no, nice player. But over $10 million a year to a backup center to play him how many minutes? I don't get it. One of the things the Knicks did well was paying Isaiah Hartenstein, who I like, two years, $16 million. Nice trade. It was a nice signing for the it Knicks. It was a nice signing. Nice signing. If, Why not? If a backup center for over $10 million, and again, $10 million isn't what it used to be in terms of the cap, but just like, and I have this thing about centers. If, if it's not Embiid, Jokic, Towns, Bam, DeMontis Sabonis, and I'm forgetting another another guy. Tice. Not Tice. Like I'm not <laughs> I, I don't want to pay over ten million dollars a year for a center. Yeah. Right. Right? So yeah. I just I don't know. That was weird. It was weird. Yeah. Like and, and plus for him, like, why not try and find a team that's gonna play you more? Uh, yeah. I, like if I, I like I was actually like, oh, maybe the Celtics will for like the MLE Adam or something like that. Like, you know, saw the guy, Rob Williams gets hurt. Like maybe there's something there. It was a weird, it was weird for him. Do I feel, I don't know if I feel worse for him or if I feel worse for the magic from it, just because the magic have weird. all these guys who are going to play for him. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't really, yeah, I, I don't, I didn't understand that. There are plenty of those signings where I think it was just one of those years where there's not a market for some of these guys and they'd rather just 
stay where they are, not have to deal with movers and just be like, you know what? Another which year, I, which I totally, res- I totally respect, but like yeah. he wants to play more. Like he wants, and he wants to start. And I feel like there were teams out there that could have given him more of a shot than this magic because they're still getting like Jonathan Isaac back. Like yeah, it's weird. It's just, it was a weird fit. All right. Your last yeah. two. My last two. I mean, we talked about it before. Um, Knicks, Nick, the Knicks dumping everything for Brunson. Like I, I didn't understand what they were doing and I, I get, you need to get some guy you want to make a splash, but I mean, I don't need to beat the dead horse. Just Brunson isn't that guy who you want to spend a lot of money on and what you had to do to get him where you're basically trading draft picks, just a salary dump so you can then afford him and you're in the a process. salary dump of $8 million. Whatever. I, I litigated this already. I don't want to jump yeah, in, I, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Okay. And what was your last one? The last one was just what the what Minnesota is doing for Gobert. I, it, 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 that was my that was my first. Yeah, right. So my yeah. last two, Portland, four years, seventy one mil for Yusef Nurkic. We've seen this Portland movie. What are we doing? What are we doing here? And again, it's my yeah. rule of centers. Unless your guys of a certain caliber offensively. I don't want to pay $15 million. It's the same reason I wanted the Knicks to let Mitchell Robinson walk, which I spoke about in the other segment, but whatever. And also Anthony Simons, four years, a hundred. This I'm one. Not, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge hater of the Simons deal just because I feel like the, the cap goes up and he's good enough of a player where like you can justify it. But it's a lot for a guy who hasn't really played a whole lot of basketball. Like I, yeah. you're just bidding yeah. against yourself. Like yeah. not because I don't like the player. I think he's got a tremendous talent. Right? right. And it's just Portland seems to like just be in no man's land. Right. I mean, Is Simon's yeah. that much worse than CJ McCollum? It's essentially the same. So you brought back, Nurkic, like I, I like Jeremy Grant as a fit there, but like, what is Portland doing? Like, what are they doing? Is there is there a world where they're making that signing, being like, look, he's good enough when he's healthy with this team, with and he has good chemistry with Lillard, and you know, if we're a team that maybe could sniff out a January trade request for KD, we actually have the salaries to make it work. Like maybe, maybe, maybe that's true. I don't know. Simons has to show if if you're going to put him in a package for Durant, right? Because from what all the reports have said, they want a young all-star caliber player. Like he's going to have to really show out. And then if he really shows out, I'm not necessarily sure you want to trade him, but whatever. I just like, who are you bidding against? Yeah. Who are you bidding against? And he's a restricted free agent. So if you are bidding against somebody and he gets an offer sheet, you can match it. Like, I just don't know why these teams are in such a rush to do this stuff. I think, yeah, I think part of it is, I forget who was saying it, is that some of these guys need to see that their team does take care of them. And a team that doesn't pay, like the Rockets notoriously don't pay, right? Those are, like, you need, like, teams to show other players or prospective future free agent signings like we're going to pay you a lot just to come here because the city isn't enough for a player now there are guys who are like Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal who will stay in the city that they want to stay in and they'll just collect their checks and they'll and they'll happily be the guy and 
they're content with being the guy in those cities that aren't free and just nations. But if you're a team, you're looking at it being like, Hey, we need to just have some guys who people can get excited about or use as trade assets because we need salaries to match up for future trades. I don't hate those signings. I don't, I, I just, to me, it's like if the jazz, not the jazz, if Minnesota didn't screw up and overpay that much for Gobert, I feel like Gobert makes more sense on that team than Nurkic, and maybe yes. that's where the trade is. Yeah, but but but, if you're, but but once again, though, if you're the Jazz, you're not turning down the Minnesota offer. So you like, can't. You absolutely can't. You can't do it. And then we and we'd be and we'd be we'd be poo pooing everything that that Portland's doing if they were the ones who made that trade for Gobert, right? So I understand. They're like you're looking around. Okay, may, like maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe the deal is they end up getting going after Randall. You know, maybe there's like a. And a three-teamer. I know. I know. We'll take, right? We will take anything you want to give. Anything. Yeah. yeah. I don't anything know. you want to give. I, I have a question for you because you yeah. said before, and I and now I remember what the fifth one was. I only gave four. I feel like the inaction from some of the guys in the East is really one of my least favorite moves, I'd say, or lack of moves. Like, I don't think that Milwaukee did enough to address what they needed in the offseason where, yes, if they're healthy fully, sure, they'd probably go to the finals. I just don't think that Ingles, who is coming off of an injury and was uh, was like a very openly saying that he was considering retiring and moving back to Australia, I don't know if the Ingles move itself is enough. I, you know, but, though, I, but those teams, but teams like that can can be active at the trade deadline, right? Like they, they have awesome. the long game where it's just like we're not going to rush into something. Yeah. Just, to, just to be active. But it feels like it feels like Lonnie Walker makes more sense for the Bucks than the Lakers. Just another a second unit guy who can go score for you. I don't know. I, I didn't hate it for the Lakers. I mean, listen, if he and Bruce Brown are getting paid the same, yeah, I don't know how they choose Lonnie Walker over Bruce Brown. Besides for the fact that LeBron just wants to get his clutch clients paid. Sure. Um. But Lonnie Walker on the surface for the Lakers, like those are the, the, the swings that the Lakers have to make, right? Because they're so pigeonholed yeah. into, you know, what their cap situation is. Like that, those are the deals like, you know, was a lottery type talent, didn't work here. Let's see if we can get him to work with us. Like those are the deals along the, you know, along the margins that they're going to have to take swings at. Like I actually think – they did a good job with Juan Toscano Anderson. Um, yep. you know, it's somebody who who played some minutes for a team that's been in the playoffs and been successful. So I yeah. I just yeah, it's it's weird. The inactivity it, sometimes it, it's just better to be patient. Especially yeah, I mean, if, yeah. if you could just say, listen, we won a title two years ago when all of our guys were healthy. Yeah, I just don't and think we, and we almost and we almost went and we almost went to another one, right? I mean, like, yeah, I, I guess the other part of it is the whole now that we have this looming Don, potential Donovan Mitchell departure, the the KD trade request, Kyrie, whatever. You're going to see if if more trades are coming in, there's going to be other shoes that are going to drop. So we'll see. Teams yeah, and involved. and the and the once Durant is moved or not moved, like you know. Everybody's at a stalemate right now, as you just said. So we'll we'll see what happens. All right, obvious. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, just really quickly, what, what do you think the Aiton things is right now? Where do you think his market is? Why do you think he's not getting the deal from any team? Like, why is there not a team that's 
clamoring for Aiton right now. Because from what I saw from him last year, not this past season, but last year when they went to the finals, phenomenal guy. Why would you not want that guy? Because uh, I think a couple of reasons. One, so center's a weird sure. a weird um, uh, position in today's NBA. I actually think Aiton would be in the list of guys I pay over $15 million to because I think he's got more offensively and, and he's good defensively. Sure. Um, I think Detroit looked at Aiton and after what they did in the draft with Durin, and, and may, they may still go after him, right, depending on where the market goes. Because if the whole thing with him is like, you know, who's going to give him the contract he wants? And if he's going to be included as a major asset as a part of a sign and trade with Kevin Durant, right? So that's number one. So there's the holding pattern there. There is a sense around the league where maybe he he's more valuable to Phoenix than to anybody else, yeah. right? And if the, if it's not Phoenix, who is it? Is it going to be Charlotte, maybe I'm not sure what their what their cap situation is if they can afford it. Um, well, that also depends on this Miles Bridges situation, which is really crazy. Um, will it be Detroit and say, "Listen, we don't care that we just drafted Jalen Duran, um, and we have Isaiah Stewart. We'll pay DeAndre because we think we he can be a cornerstone." That may be the case, but I think it's just do the Nets like him enough to be part of a Kevin Durant trade and they, they, I think that's holding it up. Yeah. Keep, I mean, but now, but, but sometimes it's just like a game of chicken, right? Like we saw with Philadelphia and the Nets with Harden yeah. and Simmons. like it's a game of chicken. So I don't know. It's going to, it's interesting because I think his market is being suppressed way more than it should. Yeah. I, I think I, he's I, a better player than that. I, I do too, and I would. I think he's going to be a really good piece on a very good team. I don't know why Phoenix feels like they need to get rid of him unless there's some internal rift that we really don't know about. But yeah, it'll be interesting. It's gonna be really interesting. All right, Avi, it was good to catch up, bud. I'm glad yep. you're uh, doing all right after the Celtics lost the finals. I, I think you'll be okay. Thanks so much for the time. You know, we spent spent an hour with me impromptu, which is great. I appreciate it. And we'll speak again soon. Thanks so much again. Awesome, man. See you. Thanks again to recurring guests, Papa Left, for the Knicks therapy session. That wasn't much therapy. It really didn't help matters. And to recurring guest Avi Wexler for coming on and talking about the NBA at large, non-Knicks-related off-season trades. A lot of stuff in this episode packed episode if you listen to this episode straight through kudos to you i suggest break it up but again packed with good stuff that's episode 164 for the love of the game take us out bad boy
I'm that boy that's gonna dig bad boy, baby. Yeah, special delivery. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.